Blog Talk Radio. King of the Royal Rumble, and joining me all the way from Canada, Tim Dombrova. What's up, Tim? Oh, not me today, Nate, but what a day. You do know, of course, that it is today is the 31st anniversary of the Rumble right down to the day. The first one, of course, in Hamilton and up here in Canada. True. Very, very true. Pick the perfect day to release this. So here we are, the Royal Rumble match itself. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. It's what I look forward to every year. I've had the pleasure of going to a couple, and it's just a bad. It's a battle royal on steroids. Uh, if we can don't say steroids too loud, where uh, the federal government can hear you and Vince McMahon can hear you, but uh, gotta I mean, definitely who can't, get ex- who can't get excited about thirty sweaty men in a ring, Nate? And now thirty women. <laughs> Y'all double double your fun, double your pleasure. Double the rumble. Yeah, forget as they forget about the ladies. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and theirs actually looks more interesting this year than most. Uh, but we'll have time to talk later about our predictions of the Royal Rumble for this year. Big, big show out at Chase Field in Arizona. Phoenix is a great place to have a Royal Rumble. I went there in 2013, was in Phoenix when they had the Rumble at the uh, arena, not the field. And it was a great time. Had a blast. Uh, my first Rumble. Uh, 50,000 oxygenarians in a baseball field cheering on the wrestling. You can't wait, man. But it's something that that even casual wrestling fans look forward to every year because mainly it's the the surprise, and it's just fun. It's not your typical – of course, you know, we all love wrestling, but, you know, sometimes the (laughs) one-on-one matches, you know, they get a little dull. But every year come January, we're looking forward to this match, this event, and there's been some great stuff come out of it. Rumbles past, and we have had the pleasure here of discussing Royal Rumbles with some of the some of the guys who have been involved in Royal Rumble matches. And not Jim Cornette. <laughs> I love Cornette. You can't talk about. I do Cornette. too. But in case people were waiting for that drop, no, not Jim Cornette. Now these these men have all participated in the match. We have three guys who have participated in the match, and I do want to start here. Um, our earliest talk came with a man who participated in multiple Royal Rumbles. He was in the 1995, 96, 97, and 98 Rumble match. Um, his name, Henry O. Godwin. You remember Henry as a part of the tag, the tag team, the Godwins with Phineas. He was also in Southern justice as Mark Canterbury, um, did a lot of work in the, the WWF at the time during the attitude era. You remember the hog pin matches and, I was able to sit down and talk to him about what it means being in the Royal Rumble and also got some pretty interesting stories about the character uh, and the man, Henry Godwin, um, the character and the man behind that. So, Tim, want to dive into that? Damn straight. All right, we're dive into my talk with Henry Godwin. On the other side, you'll hear mine and Tim's reaction. So stay tuned. Here's my talk with Henry Godwin.
Well, joining me right now is a veteran of pro wrestling, the pro wrestling world, and that is Henry O. Godwin. Henry, thanks for jumping on with me. What's up, Nathan? Ah, not a lot, not a lot. Just uh, this time of year, I get real nostalgic. It's Royal Rumble time, and I know you spent a lot of time working up in New York for the World Wrestling Federation, well, entertainment. I still know it as Federation from back in the day. But um, And this is, we're doing a Royal Rumble special, and I couldn't think of anybody else that I would rather have on because you, you've got a lot of memories in Rumble matches for me personally, watching those as a kid, especially in you know the years you were in in 95, 96. I got a lot of memories uh, of you working those matches. And I just wanted to talk to you about it, get your thoughts on what it was like working those kind of matches. I loved them. I, I really? did because you could go in there and you get a little piece of you get a little piece of every bat night, you know. Uh, you, mm-hmm. know you couldn't do them spots or you you know that kind of crap in the ring, but it was just uh, yeah, it was a good time to socialize too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we talked about everything during the ride. <laughs> It was a good time, and one of my fondest memories is old Dirty Dick Murdoch doing the head scissors on me. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, and that's where I was wanting—I was wanting to start there, if we could. 1995, the Royal Rumble is taking place in Tampa, Florida, at the Sun Dome. Now, for yeah. those that aren't up on it, this was the the first and only Rumble that had one-minute intervals. Um, with each participant coming out. Yeah, one-minute intervals that year. Uh, Michaels went coast-to-coast, 38 minutes he was in the match. So the Rumble match itself only lasted – it lasted less than 40 minutes. So to me, that was was really interesting. Um, You were number 22 in that match, and you were in there 14 minutes and 40 seconds, and you got an elimination. You eliminated the man you were just talking about, Dirty Dick Murdoch. Um, (laughs) And one of the – and that was one of the most impressive uh, things about it. You, he picked you up and put you in an, an airplane spin in a Royal Rumble match. So think of that if you if you can. If you've never seen the match, go out of your way and see it. You got Henry Godwin, who's you know three hundred pounds, big dude, and, and Dirty Dick Murdoch, who's a veteran, got you on his shoulders and started spinning. And, yeah. <laughs> and your feet, and I, Sean Michaels, I was scared shitless too. <laughs> That's awesome. Your feet catch Shawn Michaels in the face, and you and he both go over the top rope. You, son, I don't yeah. know to this day how you held on to that top rope. That's one of the most I impressive think, saves for a big man. I, you know, I'm not bragging, but we could we could work with a lot of different people back in the day. You know, and uh, yeah, when we were in when we were in WCW, Arn Anderson always said, "Your guy's problem is." You make everybody else look too good. <laughs> that's an awesome, interesting quote. <laughs> well, that's that's a fine compliment, but you and you held on. You made it down to the final five before Lex Luger eliminated you uh, in that Rumble from Tampa. But you, Dirty Dick Murdoch, what was it like working with him? You, you talked about the head scissor takeover that he did. Just an unorthodox guy. What was it like working with him? I was telling somebody yesterday. He was that old school, just white, lily white, redneck country boy. And he wasn't, I mean, he was a big guy, but he wasn't muscular. He, you know, he just looked like he'd 
whip everybody's ass in a bar room. Yeah. But I met him. I got to hang out with him and Dusty at the same time. Wow. And even hard. So it was, uh, and I was, you know, just got in WCW back then. And, uh, but, I mean, what an honor to hang around that kind of talent and knowledge and the old school way. And, and Dusty, I, you know, when we lived in Atlanta and was working there, we got to hang out with uh, Dusty a lot. You know, that's who gave me my first job. That's who put me and Phineas together. Tex down in WCW was Dusty. Yeah. And then, you know, he got a, I heard he had talked to Murdoch about it and was giving us, you know, giving us pointers on stuff to do. So it was really an awesome time back then. You don't get to do that much anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that, that is a shame. But uh, you, you bring up Phineas, uh, who was Dennis Knight, also, or Midian. Some people may remember him under that name. You guys were the Godwins and Southern Justice uh, for a little while. But uh, he's what? apparently now a world-class chef. I, I read that the other day, and I was like, really? I did not know that he was uh, a fine cook. Yeah, uh, I actually talked to him the other day. Uh, a promoter from up in around Chicago has got me in Phineas booked on a show. I think it's in April, and that's mm-hmm. the first one he's done since we did the Orlando thing, uh, WrestleMania in Orlando a couple years ago. Yeah. So he, we're supposed to do that together. So it'll be a little, you know, hopefully a good reunite. And yeah, he's doing, he's a sushi, sushi chef right now. Wow. That's, that's just, that blows my mind to see a guy his size, you know, 300 pounds and just a big, big person, like in terms of size, he's just tall and, uh, and he's a sushi chef. That's hard to say. (laughs) That's what. Virginia guys at least are. <laughs> yeah. That's a hillbilly trying uh, to say them crazy words, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a look at 1996 here. Uh, the luck of the draws, they say. You come out number two uh, that year. You do. You last a lot longer. You go 16 minutes, 24 seconds. You start with Triple H, Hunter Hearst Townsley at the time, uh, who you had had the rivalry with, with the uh, hog pin matches and and things of that yeah. nature, which was a fun rivalry, I thought. Uh, you were eliminated, oh, yeah. by Jake the, eliminated by Jake the Snake Roberts, but there was a memorable spot here in this Rumble uh, early on. It was you and Bob Backlund and Triple H and uh, Jerry Lawler comes out. And yeah. he, grabs, he grabs the slop bucket, um, and he goes to slop you, but you catch him in the midsection and then all three of them bail, and you stand from the ring and throw the the bucket of slob, and it catches everybody, catches all three of them outside, and half the front row oh, yeah. in Fresno. <laughs> so, yeah, talk about I, that. I forgot exactly what happened there, but now that you refresh my memory, yeah, that was uh, to have them three down there, you know, legends, and got yeah. hit by the slop buggy, you know. So it was a uh, it was always fun getting Hunter. He was a he was a trooper. We were married like six months on the road, so he got <laughs> slaughtered every night. And so, but it was a, a good time for for me and him. It was a we had the best chemistry, and you know we got compliments like when we had the hog pin match. 
when we got done, you know, he was he got fourteen stitches from the gate that night and was bleeding and yeah. had bugs and pig shit in it and was afraid he was gonna get staff and but Vince took us back there and we're both covered in shit now. And we just got out of that match and we're all hyped up. But Vince takes us in the office and he said, That was fucking awesome. He says, I can't believe you guys pulled that off because people thought it was gonna be a ha ha match. Yeah, but it turned and on paper, be, it looks like it. On paper, it looks like yeah. a ha-ha match, but you guys really made yeah. that a competitive, hard-hitting match. Yeah, and to get that compliment from Vince, that's one of my, that's one thing I'll always remember. You know, he he got both of us and took us in a room, just us three, and was telling us that. So it was, it was a high moment for both of us. And I guess it was a little higher for him because he's in the McMahon family now. <laughs> Well, I mean, some things happen for a reason, I guess. But it was I guess so. that's obvious. Yeah, <laughs> I I enjoy the match. I actually watched it not too long ago, and I was like, oh, I forgot. It was actually on a uh, VHS tape I had as a kid, uh, 1995's uh, most amazing matches. I still have that VHS yeah. tape to this day, and it's on there. Um, yeah. If anybody out there has that, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that I remember that was fun. Let me ask you, the slop, what was it? Was it actual slop, or did they just mix a bunch of shit together and just call it that, or what really was the slop? Basically, yeah. You know, I got it down to an art because I would get ranch dressing and lettuce and pasta, (laughs) rice, bread, and, and milk, and I'd let it set two or three hours and it was real mushy, you know, by the time yeah. we got ready to have a match, you know, and, uh, you know, DiBiase got it three times. Sid got it. Uh, Jimmy Cornette got it. So, um, Hunter got it multiplied by a hundred. He was just, he always got it. So he, he dealt with it, but it, it was a good time. Sonny and, got it once too. I remember on the steps. And, you know, there, there's stuff going around about what all was in the bucket that night because <laughs> I made the swap, and it was about half full. I took it in the locker room, trying to keep an eye on it, and I said, boys, Sonny's getting swapped tonight. Don't nobody mess with this. And I, I come back later on, and the bucket was full. So <laughs> it was half full when I put it there, and it was full when I picked it up. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> one of those razor, mysteries from the road yeah razor and uh x-pac somebody said they took it in the shower room so i don't know what but sonny got it that night <laughs> well uh we we've heard stories about what x-pac will do in people's bags so let's hope there was none of that in the flop bucket that night yeah, we... yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> We'll move on here, Tammy. If you're listening, we we it's not us. We promise. But I love uh, you, Tammy. <laughs> yes, he's great. Let's move on. 1997 rolls around. Uh, still in the Rumble match itself. Number 29 this year. Uh, you come out. You last six minutes, 11 seconds, and get thrown out by the Undertaker. Now, this elimination, which by the way, Jim Ross puts you over on commentary. Like, it was really, really complimentary the way JR talked about you on commentary this night. It even, like, 
you could even hear it if you go back and watch it. He says, wow. He goes, did you see Henry O'Godwin go over and he'd come back in, made a U-turn, and you hear Jerry Lawler say, you're really high on Henry O'Godwin, aren't you? And he says, he's a hell of an athlete king. So, JR putting you over pretty strong there, I thought, in the Rumble match. Um, but you get eliminated by Undertaker. He grabs you by the by the throat with both hands and then just launches you over the top rope and you hit your head on the announce table. Any memories of that in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome? You know, I don't remember a whole lot about that. I remember that leading up to that, but I don't remember a whole lot. Uh, you know, they sort of all run together when you've been in three or four back to back to back yeah. to back. Yeah. But yeah, me and me and Taker, you know, that's how I um I had one of my first big matches when I started up there with Vince, you know. And it was with Taker and he re- he requested me. And we had a hell of a match. I I'm sure you can find it. I think it was in ninety five a raw match. But me and him beat the crap out of each other, and that's from then from then on we were you know well that's how we formed the BSK and him and Yoko started all that and mm-hmm. that that's a whole other segment but <laughs> uh, yeah Taker that's how I got my momentum and my push was uh, when I had my match with Taker and he put put me over to the office and it was. Good cruising after that, you know, and me and Hunter had done our thing and got to work with Nash and had a good match with him. So there was a lot of big guys back then, too. You know, it's it's a little different now, but there was some big men's back then. Yeah. I mean, working with Taker was has to be a highlight for anybody. Uh, he's just missed the biggest. He just owns respect, demands it. From what I hear, you know, I've never been in the locker room with him, but, um, yeah, he just seems like that kind of guy who demands it. And, you know, you mentioned the BSK. Um, you were a member of the BSK, correct? One of the originals. Okay. Uh, the old story is every member of the BSK has the tattoo. I've talked to yeah. Charles Charles Wright. Of course, Takers is yeah. visible on his stomach. Where's your tattoo? Yeah. Mine's on my leg right now, but I'm getting ready to get another one uh-huh. on my arm. And yeah, yes, Savio's got his. Tex has his. Uh, I think Fatu has his. Uh, Yoko definitely had his if he was here, you know. And yeah, yeah. Crush. So and Paul Bear, he probably even got one. He was BSK too. I know. I know. That's. That's just so interesting that you guys were able to do stuff like that and, and to do things like um, the BSK and everybody gets tattoos. And, of course, everybody always compares it to the click, but I've heard several, several times it's not like the click at all. It's more of a you guys were just buddies that hung out, and it wasn't a political jockeying or anything like that like the click would turn into. Uh, ours was was more of a brotherhood. You know, it's yeah. – uh, just talk. I just uh, Rikishi commented on one of my things the other day, and you know it's you know I used to go. I used when I was in California, I never stayed at hotel. I always stayed with Yoko at his house. Yeah, and that family was freaking awesome. All of them, his sister, and his kids, 
and Yoko was just a, a good guy. He was a great guy. He was a real good friend, and I used to room with him a lot. And we, I mean, we just had a lot of good times together. And uh, great guy. Yeah, yeah, we do miss him. But uh, we had one last Rumble appearance for you. Uh, that was in 1998. You guys had turned heel at the time, you and Phineas, and you were after Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, before the match, you you ran through the back looking for him, threatened, uh, I believe it was Michael Cole, which, you know, thank you for that. I'm kidding. Cole's all right. But uh, uh, you walk in, you walk into the room and you find the phone finger, the phone middle finger sitting on the chair, which was entertaining. And uh, you come out at 25 that year. Uh, you were eliminated by Dude Love. You lasted 11 minutes, 32 seconds in the match. Um you know, 1998 was a fun match, a fun rumble for anybody that watched it. Any memories of, of working that match, especially you guys were working more so heel at the time. You had the Confederate flag T-shirt underneath, got rid of the yellow shirt that we had come to know Henry O'Godwin by. What was your memory yeah. from there? If you, if you it was it was like, I don't know, it was it was fresh for both of us, you know, because we were the ha-ha's and, uh, dancing around and having pennies, mm-hmm. and somebody sent me uh, a thing when me and uh, a segment, I think it was on Raw, we were working in uh, New Rockers, Chinetti and yeah. Snow, Yeah. and somebody sent me a link the other day, I don't know if you've seen it, when we bought a, he brought a pig to the ring, and Hillbilly was with us, Jim, and I brought a beagle, the beagle shit in the middle of the ring at live TV. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy sent me a thing. He says, back when you, a dog could shit in the ring on WWF, and it wasn't a big thing. <laughs> just roll with it. Just roll yeah, with just it. Roll with That's it. great. So it shows, it shows me kicking it out with my boot on live TV to shit, and then it crumbles. It's all over the ring. So you got to check it out. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll check that out. I'll definitely look for that. And uh, if anybody, you know, anybody listening out there, I'll share it on our Twitter. As well, um, I do want to ask, you know, Rumble matches. This and that's kind of what we're focusing on now. But you're giving us some great stories with them as well. Um, Rumble matches. When, when you're in the back before the match, do you go over certain spots? Are they called? Do you know exactly when you're getting eliminated? Like, what, what's what's the lowdown on the backstage? Like, I can imagine trying to plan one of these down to the elimination would be just painful. Well. People told me the most important thing is know who goes out, know who's going out a couple people before you, because it's all timing. Okay. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all timing, and you just got to watch. You get told who's eliminated before you, and you better be up on it, how that works. Uh, Has there ever been, to your knowledge, I I feel like I've seen this before, but maybe somebody slips while they're hanging on the ropes and goes out when they shouldn't, and they get eliminated accidentally? Uh, Anything like that? Yeah, but I can't recall remembering any, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens shouldn't happen. (laughs) It it happens quite often. Yeah, uh, and one thing I've always wanted to ask, I don't know if you would be in the loop on this, but this is probably a question I'll ask everybody I have on this uh, this special that we're doing. What happens if the guy who's supposed to win slips and falls out? <laughs> is there a backup guy or 
or what happens then? I I would say that there is. Uh, yeah, it would just it would have to be it would have to be gone over really, or somebody at the table or one of the referees. You know, the mm-hmm. interior pieces. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty well known, but somebody would give that at the time. But I, I've heard they're ready for anything like that if it happens, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's just been something I've always wondered since I was, you know, a kid. I'd be like, well, what if the guy who's supposed to win falls out? Like, you see these close eliminations and you see, you know, oh, this guy's hanging on. Well, those ropes get real sweaty. And, you know, who yeah. knows what can happen out there? It's live TV. What happens if somebody yeah. falls? So it's uh, it, it's it's good to uh, thought I'd ask, you know. Um, yeah. That was all the rum. That was all your rumble appearances that you had. And uh, well, why don't you let our listeners know what you're up to now? You talk about you're doing some uh, independent appearances. We met at a uh, All Star Wrestling uh, appearance you did in Madison, West Virginia. I'm the uh, I do some commentary there, and you were there, and it was great great meeting you. Uh, definitely a, a figure from my childhood as a, growing up, and um, you're still doing indie bookings here and there, and, and staying busy here since re- retirement from the ring. Yeah, still, you know, got got the little farm going, and uh, it wasn't just a gimmick. I had 20 hogs this year, so all right, uh, been real busy with that, and uh, yeah, taking some bookings. Uh, like I say, I'm going. I'm doing something in Queens uh, in April or March. I'll let you know when that is, and then you can mention it or whatever. But it's going to be Queens, and then the next night I'll be in Pennsylvania. Okay. And then uh, we're doing something, flying into Chicago, and got something in Indiana, a whole weekend in Indiana in March or April. I'll I'll send you that and let you know. Yeah, let me know, and, and I'll. I'll... I'll let our listeners know when, uh, whenever we're getting that out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the legend shows, so uh, okay. you know they're always good. you get to see your buddies and hang out and tell old war stories and see what's going on now. And yeah. So it's a it's a good time. Really enjoy it. Well, that's awesome, and uh, Henry, I really appreciate you getting on here with me, giving us some old stories and talking a little bit about you know, Royal Rumble involvements and, and what goes into planning them. And that, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you so much. Um, our fans out there, if they want to get in contact with you for anything, do you have like a Twitter page where they can follow you or anything like that? Mm-hmm. No, I don't have a Twitter page yet, but okay. we're working on that. So I will keep, you keep in touch with me. I mean, we're not that far apart. No, so, we're not. <laughs> Couple hours we'll away, and we will, really, hey. we will really tell some stories. We'll hang out one day. Hey, let's do it. I'm always game for that, and uh, anytime I'm down for that for sure because we're, we're real close. And uh, we'll have to go up and watch the Mountaineers play a basketball game if, if they ever get it together. Yeah, well, I'm heading up there tomorrow to go to the game Saturday, so yeah. hopefully they can beat Okie State. Let's hope. Let's hope. But one match, yeah, this is, one match I will tell you, if you remember it, I was going to ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. The Survivor Series, uh-huh. Undertaker with a Phantom Mask. Do you remember that? Would that be, was that 1990, was that 95, I believe? 
I think 95. 95? It was me, Taker, Fatu, Rakichi, and Savio. Uh-huh. I think Savio was on it. It was us four. Seemed like it was Lawler, Isaac Yankum, Hunter. Oh, uh, yeah. Had to be 95 then. Yeah. Hold on. I, I can find but, it real quick. Yeah, I was just going to – I couldn't remember who their third, who their fourth partner was. I'll find it here real quick. Let's see. It was the dark side, which was Fatu, yourself, Savio Vega, and Undertaker. You beat the Royals, which was Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum, DDS, Jerry Lawler, and King Mabel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 95. 95. Yeah, you know what? I'll be honest. I haven't watched the 95 Survivor Series in a long, long time, but I'll have to check that out then. Yeah, because they had uh, Mabel was there. He had won King of the Ring that year. Um, <laughs> everybody was in there was Royal, and Yankum was there because he was Lawler's personal dentist, who had bad teeth <laughs> and the worst, and the worst entrance music ever. Just a drill. Ugh. Goodness. But <laughs> oh, you know, Taker's side was all BSK. It was. Yeah, I never put that together, but there they were, because it was you and Savio Fatu, Taker, and Paul Bear was your manager. So that that's pretty cool. And of course Sir Mo right. was on the outside with Mabel. So uh I'm a- actually right. uh I saw him not too long ago down at um I think WrestleCade in twenty seventeen. So But yeah, definitely so we'll have to get together. Know. Yeah, so that tells you how much pull Taker had to get all BSK people. So I just want yeah. to throw that out there. Well, that was cool. That, that's really neat that he was able to do that. And it's always good to have a friend like The Undertaker in the business, for sure. And is it true that everybody in BSK had to be an aficionado in Jack Daniels? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they go with twist the top off and throw it away. So you oh were screwed right there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whew, that stuff's rough, man. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> Shane McMahon, if you ever get to talk to him, ask him about the night he hung out with BSK. We had to carry him <laughs> to his room. <laughs> I'll have to, I don't know if I'll ever get to talk to Shane, but if I do, I'll make sure I remember that. But uh, we'll, remember definitely, we'll, get you, we'll definitely get you back on, and we'll get some old stories going again. We'll just have you on talk some wrestling and maybe not even stick to a particular topic. We'll just have some fun. But, yeah. Definitely, I'll stay in touch with you. I've got your number now, and uh, I'll I'll be I'll be in touch. We'll we'll have some fun sometime. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Keep in touch. I will. Thank you. You have a good one as well. All right. Bye bye. And that was my conversation with Henry Godwin talking wrestling, Royal Rumbles especially. But what do you think, Tim? What do you think of some of the old stories that Henry Godwin brought to us? Oh, Henry. Henry, my man. You know, I think of, as soon as I, I hear his name, I start thinking of Dukes of Hazard and the theme song, you know, <laughs> just a good old boy. Because he just sounds oh, yeah. like just a regular old guy who just happened to wrestle for 11. Lives in West Virginia. Mountain mama, baby. <laughs> I mean, how many guys, how many guys, I mean, he never, like, not, no offense to him. He never was, uh, you know, he was what, a mid-carder, I guess you could say. He was a tag team guy, you know, you know tag team. Right, and, and yet how many guys can lay claim to, now, look at, look at his eliminations in the Rumbles. 
uh, you know, thrown out by what Luger. Yeah, you know, Taker, Taker, Luger, Taker, Snake, Dude Love. Like he wasn't getting eliminated. You know, he wasn't the guy who's getting tossed out by the, you know, fucking Santino Morella or some nonsense yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, he he was never part of the gimmick part of the Rumble. If that makes no, sense. No, I mean he was in the final five there in '95, and uh, actually eliminated Dick Murdoch from the Rumble. So you know, that, you heard his stories there. You, yeah, that tells you then that the, that the the big players there didn't mind being in a ring with him. No, not at all. And he was uh you never hear a bad story about him. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him. So, uh just a great guy and glad he could come on and ho- hope we can get him back soon. Well, he sounds like the kind of fellow that if you just uh well, I mean, we'll have to leave this to you cuz you're in his area, but uh if you just pushed a few drinks in front of him and just let him start talking and hit record, you might get gold. Oh, yeah. I, I, may, I may look into that. So uh, we'll see what we can do on that. But let's shift gears here. We got a lot to cover, Tim, as we were looking at uh, just all the interviews that we have here. And this is going to be a, a special, like, this is going to be a, a big-time thing here. Moving on, another tag team specialist uh, from a different part of the world. Um if you remember the headbangers from the fame back in WWF, do you remember the headbangers? I do, sir. Mosh and Thrasher. Um, I was a big fan of the headbangers. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, and Thrasher, um, I've met, Thra- I know Thrasher through uh, some, you know, and he, Thrasher knows Tom really well. Uh, Thrasher trained at the Monster Factory. Uh, wrestled in Smoky Mountain for a while. Uh, eventually got called up to the WWF at the time, and he was in a one Royal Rumble that we got to talk about, and he told some interesting stories too. So I don't want anybody to deter- to, to think that we're talking just Royal Rumble specifically. You're going to hear some cool stories, period, on this special. Um, you know, Henry Godwin had some cool – the slop story absolutely cracked me up with, with Sonny. I had to laugh at that. Um but Thrasher's got some cool stories as well. So, uh, do you like the slop stories? <laughs> how, can you not, how can you not like the slop stories? I mean, just the thought of yeah. grown men doing that to each other is just, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's, it's pretty hilarious to me. But um, Thrasher's got some unique stories, and he gave us a lot of time here. Uh, so, Tim, we'll just segue right in here as the segue goes by, two wheels and all. Well, we'll just segue right on into this as I talk to Headbanger Thrasher, and we talk a little bit about his experience in Royal Rumble matches and his career wrestling uh, in the big time in the WWE and even the comeback that he and Mosh have made over the years. So take a listen to my conversation with Thrasher. Roll the tape. Joining me right now is former WWF Tag Team Champion, uh, along with Mosh. This is Headbanger Thrasher, and thank you so much for jumping on with me. Hey, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Dandy. Fine. Oh, that's awesome. Peachy. All that. <laughs> <laughs> great to have you on, uh, on the Royal Rumble special here that we're putting together. And um, first and foremost, let me go ahead and get my marking out of the way. I was a huge Headbangers fan as a kid, so... Uh, it's definitely a pleasure well, to have I, you on. I appreciate that. It's always good to hear. It's always good to hear. Oh, yeah. It never gets old. Yeah, so I, 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 I like I, hearing that. 
I, I never knew the Flying Nuns until I got older, but I was definitely a Headbangers fan. Um, well, it's funny. Everybody thinks that the Flying Nuns happened first, and they didn't. The Headbangers happened yeah. first. Then we started doing Shotgun Saturday Night, and Vince said, oh, I have a great idea. And when, oh, Vince McMahon has a great idea, you go, yes, sir. That's a great idea. <laughs> you want me to wear tones and stuff a bra and be a nun? Absolutely. Great <laughs> we'll idea, Vince. The, we'll get to the cones in a couple minutes. I do want to bring that up. But Jim Cornette came up with the Headbangers gimmick, if I'm not correct At, on that. He 100% did. Yes, he did. Um, he was uh, <laughs> he was at a dancing concert. Yep, Jim Cornette oh, at a dancing I, concert. I just I, I don't see it. And he called us up. He goes, Ah, I got the perfect gimmick for you guys because we were waiting to start in Smoky Mountain. And he mm-hmm. goes, You guys are going to be the headbangers because we listened to that type of music. We had the tattoos. I had you know piercings and stuff like that. We had the the beards and the goatee and. You know, it was already pretty much there. We had the, you know, that that attitude of, you know, just going out and having a great time and not pretty much worrying about what people thought or anything else. So it, was, it wasn't too far from the actual way we re- really were. So it kind of stuck. And that's usually the best gimmicks is whenever it's something so close to home and something that fits. So, uh so you didn't have to go out and really buy a new wardrobe. Did you already have the, the, the T-shirts? I don't know about the skirts, per se, but the T-shirts at least. <laughs> well, it was funny because, yeah, we had the – he came to uh, TV one day, and he threw us two T-shirts. He goes, I want T-shirts like that. And he goes, I saw this guy wearing a, a skirt, a wedding dress. And, you know, that's back when, you know, Manson was first coming out and yeah. stuff like that. And they were doing – you know, uh, Axel Rose was showed up on TV one time where, wearing a kilt or a skirt or something like that, and I was a hundred and fifty billion percent against it. I was like, Jimmy, there's absolutely no way I'm wearing a skirt. That no, absolutely not. I'm not <laughs> being laughed at like that and everything else. Um, I just can't do it. So, um, so eventually, you, you wore the skirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, eventually, sorry about that. I, I had a, a brain fart. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. So I, I, we we showed up at TV and we were wearing khaki shorts and you know black khaki shorts or whatever you know black cargo shorts. That's what they are, cargo shorts. And we looked an awful lot like a grungy PG-13. Oh, so gosh. it was you know, and we were running in almost the same area. They were on one side of Tennessee. We were on the other. So we were like, you know, we got to set ourselves out and be different. So Jazz is like, hey, you know, let's go to the Salvation Army and just let's just try it one night and see what happens. So we go in Salvation Army. Now imagine you, this six, two six foot guys in in there, two hundred and forty pounds, trying on skirts in your local Salvation Army. It's just <laughs> something you don't see every day. So um, no, definitely we not. We did it. We did it, and the reaction we got that night, because Cornette wanted us to be the most disgusting, most vile, and despicable team out there. And he said, the only way you guys are going to do that is by doing, you know, stuff like this. And it was just the fact that we show up, and there's these two grown men wearing skirts. Oh, my God. Let's just (laughs) say the Bible Belt did not like us much at all. No, no. I live Smoky in the Mountain Bible fans. Belt, so I know how well, I know how well that would go over. 
<laughs> yeah, so it, it kind of stuck. And once I put one on and, you know, I had the boxers on it, it was quite comfortable. And uh, now today I can't imagine wrestling in anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, uh, you know, we, we dived into that a little bit. And I do want to get a little further into the Headbangers room because, I, I, again, I was a huge fan growing up. Um, the, my fond memory was WrestleMania 13. I loved the the match you guys had that you won at the beginning of the show with the uh, the new Blackjacks, Furnace LaFawn, and the Godwins. Uh, that was a fun match. And that was when, to me, the Headbangers really stood out to me as a seven-year-old kid watching that match. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it was it was so – it was awesome. We didn't know we were actually in the actual WrestleMania until, I want to say, a, maybe a week or two beforehand. And we found out that we were going to be doing this match and everything else. And then we didn't find out until that night that we were actually going over in the oh, match wow. and everything else. And it was just, I mean, I, just hearing you describe it and everything else, it, it, you know, it doesn't give it justice. You know, you talk about, you know, you hear the, the, these, the NFL guys talk about winning the, the Super Bowl and, you know, hockey players winning the Stanley Cup. And that's exactly, it is the pinnacle of what you worked your whole entire life for to be in that match at WrestleMania and to win is just, there's no other feeling. There's, I, I can't even describe it properly enough to make it have any kind of, to, to make you, anybody understand it. Um, yeah. It was, and here's the kicker. We weren't even full time. We weren't even wow, under even a full-time contract. Yeah, we were We were still part-time. Um, we were under the part-time contract um, at WrestleMania 13, and shortly after that is when we signed, our, I believe, our first deal. Wow, that's so awesome. We were, yeah, we were under a part-time contract when we started in 96. I think it was November. We were under until probably like right after WrestleMania, and uh, they, that's when the, the T-shirts had started happening, the figures started happening, and the video games and stuff like that. And that you know it wasn't in our oh, yeah. our part-time Warzone. contract. So yeah, <laughs> can't forget yeah, yeah, Warzone. Yeah. Love that game. Yeah, <laughs> loved it growing up. It's so funny. Uh, I everybody says that. And what was there like eight wrestlers on the whole entire game? Oh, there, there wasn't was many. Only, I know that there was like a there handful of people many. on that game. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't many, and that was the game where uh, if you played it in the middle of the match, it was the first time I'd ever heard wrestling voiceover during a match. Like you could taunt yeah. people during the match, <laughs> and you would hear, you know, like off the three sixteenth as I whipped your ass during the middle of the game during the match, which yeah. was fun. So yeah, yeah. It's, hey, it's it's memories like that, and I had the figures too, so definite uh, That's definite awesome. fan. So it was great. But let's go ahead and dive into why I asked you on here. The uh, Royal Rumble's coming up. It's my favorite event every year. So for the podcast, uh, I decided to throw together a little Royal Rumble special, talking to different guys who've competed in Royal Rumbles. You've only competed in one. Um, and that when I you told me that before we got on here, I was astounded by that because I could have swore I was in a couple more than one. But um, I, I, I guess it's funny because <laughs> there's been so many. I couldn't tell you how many pay-per-views or anything else that we've been on. Um, I was always excited for this time of the year with wrestling because right after Christmas, you knew, you know, the the, the – Back then, it was four big pay-per-views. It was, you know, um, 
was uh, the Royal Rumble, then you had WrestleMania, Survivor Series, or um, um, SummerSlam, then Survivor Series. So you tried to work as hard as you possibly could for those, you know, three months just to get on that next pay-per-view coming up and everything else. So it, for me, it was that time of the year to, all right, we got to kick it up and, and, you know, try to make sure we get on, you know, WrestleMania. That, that, oh, that's yeah. That's you wanted to get on more than any any show ever. So when you told me I was only on one, I was like, ah, okay, I, I guess now, that was it. Now, Mosh, Mosh was in a few. Mosh was in 98, 2000. Uh, actually, I think that was all he was ever in was two. Uh, but I only have record of you from one, and I just recently watched the Rumble, so uh, it was 1998 was the only one I could find that you were in. Um, a few WrestleManias, but only one Rumble that I could find. And you came out number 15, so you were exactly in the middle. And uh, what would you guess? Let's just throw this out there. What would you guess your time was? How long did you stay in that match? How long did I stay in? Uh, I'll say three minutes. <laughs> Not You're a clue. You're way off. You're way off. 28 minutes you were in that match. Wow, see that? Yeah, impressive. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of surprised I, myself I guess. when I scrolled down. <laughs> Me saw too. I was Me like, too. wow, he was in there 28 minutes. I didn't even realize gonna, that. You were thrown out he, by the event, the eventual winner, Stone Cold, uh, threw you out. Uh, and what did that person elimination. get thrown out by? Yeah, yeah, yep. zero eliminations in the match, but you were there a while. Now, uh, you did better than Mosh. Mosh was only in there 13 minutes, so you you beat him. So there's your bragging rights in oh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then but, he uh, has another one on top of me. So, yeah, you know. I think his combined from 2,098 wasn't 28 minutes. So I think you still got the over. Uh, oh, boy. Because <laughs> he tweaked his ankle in the uh, 2000 match, if I remember correctly. But. I, it's funny. I just saw that they just aired that somewhere on Facebook, and I was watching it and stuff like that. Because I didn't re- quite remember if I was in that one or not, and I think that that's right when um, either you know everything was happening with me with leaving and, and everything else. I think it was right around that time. Not a hundred percent sure. It, it, it's so weird. It's it's it, it seems like it's a lifetime ago. That, that oh yeah, there. I mean it's hard to believe that ninety eight the ninety eight Rumble was twenty one years ago. So yeah, it is. If <laughs> it, it really puts things in perspective, but. You were in the 98 Rumble. You spent quite a bit of time in there. Uh, what's it like working a Rumble? Is it just uh, is it just kind of get in there and, and find a corner and just kind of stay there, wait for your spot, or, or what, what's it really like? It, 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 I mean, for me, it was, it was fun because, I, I mean, you got to think about it. You're going to be in the Royal Rumble with guys that you normally don't get a chance to work with. There's a lot of other single guys in there that you don't have a chance to wrestle, you know, on a regular basis like we do with the tag matches. So, I mean, sometimes you might want to, you know, veer off and and go, you know, and and do some stuff with them and stuff like that. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I I, at one time maybe traded punches with Shamrock or something like that. And that might have lasted me hitting him and then him hitting me. And I was like, yeah, that's it for me kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So... It might have been the same way with Steve Blackman too. Yeah, uh, you know, let me hit him once. Oh no, I'm done. Okay, so um, you know, it was a chance you. that you got to be to be in there with with guys that you normally wouldn't be in there with. You know, whenever you're in a ring with somebody like you know 
The Rock or, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and stuff like that, who uh, they were primarily single wrestlers. And, you know, you have a chance to share the ring with them and to feel the energy that they feel off the crowd, I guess you could say. You know, either when their music hits or when they get in a ring and they do something, they throw you out or something like that. It, it's it, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I still get the 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 goosebumps and stuff like that when we showed up at, back at SmackDown and stuff like that, and and we went out the first time in Dallas and the the ovation that we got. We, it probably didn't generate through TV because everybody always says that oh they got no pop on TV and everything else. It, it, you know. I felt it in the building, you know, the, oh, yeah. the people behind us and stuff like that. So it was kind of, it, it, it's nice. It, it, it's it's uh, gratifying, I, wanna, I guess, the word is. <laughs> um, uh, believe, yeah, the, believe it or the, I'm, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, believe Rumble's it or not, you, you actually finished with the uh, fifth longest time in the match. So you were in oh, the, wow. that match, the fifth longest. You were in there longer I'm than gonna, Stone Cold. Longer than gold I'm gonna start dust. Putting that in. Yeah, see that? I'm going to start putting that on my entry music in the in the, the indies now. Lasted <laughs> in the 96 or 98 Royal Rumble longer than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, you were in there. The only people that <laughs> had longer times than you were The Rock, Phineas Godwin, 8-Ball, and Blackjack Bradshaw, and D'Lo Brown, and then you. Oh, so, there you go. Not bad. Not bad company at no. all. Nope. But, um, I'll take it. Anyway. Anyway, working the Rumble, um, what was that in terms of you say you can move around and hit people? Uh, who's given the the order of the order of exit? I should say, who's the guy in the back that's saying, okay, here's how you're getting thrown out by who? You're going out after this guy, before this guy. Who who's the one directing traffic in the back? Uh, whoever the agent was at the time. I, there was more than one agent for the match. So, you know, the agents back there are saying, all right, this is the order you guys are going out, and you're going to be eliminated after so-and-so. So when you see them go out, wait about a, a minute, minute and a half, and then you're you're going to, you know, get thrown out by this guy. So make sure you go over there and you find him and you work something out to get eliminated. So it, okay. it, they're not very hard, I, I mean, to work and everything else. You know, it's not like you can run spots when you got all them guys in there and everything else. You don't start doing yeah. that in towards, until towards the end and, and, and everything else like that. So, you know, it, it, it's a little bit, you know, you don't get very much winded or, or blown up or, or anything like that. It, it's just more of a, it's just a good time. I mean, and it, yeah. you knew it always set up the run to WrestleMania. I mean, that, to me, that's what the Royal Rumble stood for. You know, it was the first pay-per-view of a new year, and it was like, all right, Balls to the wall. We're going. We're getting ready for for WrestleMania. Yeah, and the crowd's always really into it too. So it, it's always fun. Always a good surprise when you see uh, guys you're not expecting to come in and, and see what they do. Because after you came in was when Mick Foley made his second appearance of the night as Mankind, which I thought was pretty Mankind, cool that he yeah. pulled the, did the triple header that night. But um, so you when you're working these type of matches, uh, I heard from from Henry O'Godwin you get to go in there and kind of socialize a little bit. Like there's a lot of conversations going on in the ring that we, the fans aren't picking up on. Do you recall ever having any of those? 
I uh, don't know what you speak of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny because, I mean, I, me and Chaz, and we, we were doing our tag matches. I guess we learned this from, like, Owen and Davey Boy and, and the Godwins and stuff like that. We talked constantly when we were in the ring. We were, we were either biting each other's nipples or, you know, pulling each other's ears or sticking a finger up somebody's ass or doing any kind of crazy stuff like that just just to do it. I mean, that whole thing when, when Chaz and Phineas used to spit in the air and catch it and everything else, and that was something that was just done. At, I think it was WrestleMania 13. It was a, a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it was it got so over. It was crazy, and it was just something yeah. that, you know, they laughed about because it was just one feeding off the other and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, there is, you know, a, um, a lot of conversations that are going on, you know, whether it, it's just, you know, having fun and stuff like that. That's mainly what it was. I mean, the guys were in there, you know, enjoying themselves and enjoying each other because it was, it was the one time of the year, I guess, where the, all the talent actually got a chance to, to work together. Okay. Well, that's that's cool stories about about the rumble itself, and I'm getting di- a lot of different you know um, variations on stories from everybody. But a lot of people remain the same. They're fun, and it, it, it's cool that they're just as fun for the guys who compete in them as they are for us, the people who enjoy watching them. And uh, there's a lot of people that I know they just watch the rumble. It's like okay, I'm going to watch the rumble, and then I'm I'm pretty much done with wrestling for a while. So. <laughs> I remember when that used to take up, you know, an hour, you know, hour 15 minutes for for the Rumble and stuff like that. I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I've watched uh, a Royal Rumble or something like that. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know if they still last as long or if it's just, you know, a hurry up thing and it's done in 30 minutes and stuff like that. But, I mean, Uh, I I would imagine back when we were doing it. They Most of the time, hour. they're still an hour. Uh, it normally depends on the timing because uh, I have heard from listening to other podcasts with guys who have worked in the back. Uh, they invented a thing called Titan Time for guys in the Rumble. Right. Basically, here's your spot. Go out now. It's only been a minute and 11 seconds, but it's time for you to get into the ring. So interesting facts on, on them sending guys to the ring. Huh. That's funny because we always – I mean, they always did that. What was it? Two minute spot or three, five minute spot or yeah. something like that. Or it, it was something like that. I mean, they had the timer. I guess the same timer that was out front, they had in the back and stuff like that. And we all just yeah. we stood in line. And then when that time, you just went out, you just went out. And it was just, it was very, it was very. Uh, I want to say, um, it was very clockwork. It was very, you know, on that mm-hmm. time go, on that time go. And it was. There were, I, I never once did I ever think that they ever speeded up the time or anything else like that. So that's, that's well, interesting. That... Well, I had heard that about certain rumbles, not all of them. I know the 1988 rumble where it was on TV, that, that was the case. They had to, to allow certain times, so they did it that way. The 99 rumble, they did it that way because of the uh, the storyline and the spots they were setting up. But I've, I have heard, you know, they had the clock setting out, and it's like, okay, every two minutes, and then the next guy goes, and, you know, to hell with the spot. You're going out at this time, which, you know, I, I watched the 99 Rumble, and, and I laughed because Chaz got just 
he was supposed to be in the match and he got eviscerated by Mabel or Viscera, whatever you know him as. And he, he was unable to make it to the ring. So if you're listening, Chaz, you're actually still in the 99 rumble. As far as I'm concerned, That's right. That's right. never lost, <laughs> never lost 21 years running. But, you know, speaking of the headbanger, since we got a, a minute here I'll, and I won't keep you much longer, I promise. Um, the headbanger gimmick, you know, you talk about you do what Vince McMahon says, including wearing the cones. Um, you know, the the WrestleMania 16 or the WrestleMania 2000, whatever you remember it as, uh, Hardcore Battle Royal. You were actually Hardcore Champion for, I think, a, a record 48 seconds or something of that nature. That's right. Uh, That's <laughs> right. Almost a minute. Almost and a minute. Don't forget it. And nobody forgets right. it either. <laughs> hardcore, WWF hardcore champion. Again, forget it. Uh, Almost everybody in the company can say that. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying, yeah, it, during that match, actually, poor Chaz didn't hold it during that match. Uh, but he may have yeah. other times. Um, the cones. Any idea why the cones? The large cones that look like Madonna <laughs> Brazier. That's exactly what the image was. He wanted us, I guess we were in a a spot where it was, uh, I, you know, I was coming back from knee surgery. We were kind of in a, in a ho-hum kind of way with fan-wise and the shock value and stuff like that. And I guess, I, I don't know, maybe Vince likes material girl. I don't, I, I don't know, <laughs> but that's, that's exactly the example he gave us. He goes, Madonna always had these cones on and things like that. You know, we can make them fuzzy and stuff like that, and then you guys could go to the ring. I, I, I mean, it, it was – I hated them, absolutely hate them. They, they were very hard to wrestle with. Um, oh, I'd say. <laughs> you had road cones we, uh, hanging from your tits. I'd say it, they were it, was, it, was, it was crazy. Um, it wasn't my most favorite time, you know, of, of everything. I did like the, the whole um, – when I used to do the white face paint and the different kind of, you know, yeah. the black on my face and stuff like that. That was that was different and stuff like that. But, you know, the cones weren't my favorite. But you know what? There's always things that you do at work, you know, you, me, everyone else, that they have to do because their boss says so. You know, yeah. Vince McMahon came to us and he goes, hey, this is, you know, kind of what I want. I want to see how it works and, you know, go from there. And, you know, you just yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I understand. You know, you're you're getting paid to do a job. I mean, you know, I I understand that not everybody looks at it that way, and I'm sure other people in the past have said no to Vince. Um, we were never in that I, I guess that position. I always felt, you know, if we just did what we were told to do, and whatever they asked of us, we did it. Is kind of what we did then. And I kind of felt like we would have jobs forever if we just did exactly what they said, when they said it, anything that they actually did. So that's, I mean, that's the attitude that we took. Um, it didn't quite work out remember. that way. Um, but, I mean, that's what we did. So, you know, I mean, and, and then to come back 18 years later after not a peep of our name was, was probably for me – Personally, a a full circle because when I lost my contract, I mean I I told this on 
Robbie E show, why it ended and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did I just plug his, his, his podcast on somebody else's podcast? I think I might have. That's okay. Um, <laughs> no no heat here. No heat with Robbie E. So, so when when I left, I, I mean, I left the business totally. I fell into a, a deep depression. Um, it was like, you know, you're one minute, you know, everyone knows your name and the next minute, nobody does. And it took me to a, a, a dark place, and it was it was bad. I mean, I was I was drinking entirely too much, you know, beer and alcohol and stuff like that. I blew up 315 pounds, um, and I, I was just in a bad spot. I, I I lost touch with Chaz for you know for probably roughly around 10 years. Um, it was it was a bad. I was in a bad place because I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. you know, where do I go from here? I mean, I just had this, this this job where, you know, I was on TV, you know, three, four times a week sometimes. And, and, and now I'm just, it, it, what do I do now? It, it, it's just, it's hard to explain, but it, it was, it was a, it was a bad place. And the, the thing that got me out of it, it it's funny, is it, it was Chaz's uh, wife invited me to um, Chaz's surprise 40th birthday party and at the time i was coming down to florida for a family vacation mind you i was 315 pounds wearing a you know 3x 4x shirt and you know i haven't stepped a, a foot in a ring in, in 10 years and i came down and Chaz is just like why don't you just move to florida now mind you i had i had a decent job <laughs> i was you know, working as a as a supervisor for a uh, local pizza chain. I'm not going to give the the chain props. I don't want to promote anybody's pizza <laughs> service. So <laughs> I, it was a good job. You know, it, it had, helped me I get to 315. I, yeah, had, it, I, had, it, I had I had read that on. Uh, I think they did a Where Are They Now a while back, and yeah. I had read that you were doing that. So I, I remember the pizza chain actually, but we won't plug so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, he's like, move down here. He goes, we'll get back in the ring. We'll get you back in shape. Let's not end it like this. That's all I needed to hear. I went back to Maryland. I packed up my wife, my young two kids, and nine dogs. Wow. Two, two Doberman Pinchers, just had puppies, seven pumpies. So I packed up nine dogs and moved to Florida. I had nowhere to live. I had no job. I had no nothing, no income, no no anything. Lived in a hotel for a little while. Um, found, Chaz, it, you know, told me about a gym to go to. It was, it's called UFIT Health Clubs. Um, he goes, it's $10 a month, It's you know, or you can do the $21 a month. I'm giving it, you know, UFIT a, a plug. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went in there, and, and I lost a tremendous amount of weight. I, I got all the way down to 215. And then I was too small. I was too skinny. I felt like I was frail. I actually looked like I was sick. So then I found yeah. my comfortable weight again, and we just we've been doing it since then. And I turned that, uh, you know, going to the gym into a career that I've had for five and a half years. I, I now run one of the UFIT Health Clubs, uh, you know, as a general manager. I love it uh, for the fact that it keeps me in the gym. It keeps me you know, working out and it keeps me, it keeps me feeling good. It, it gives me everything that I lost from being in that limelight. I get, because now I get to help somebody else and tell them my story. 
That's so awesome. It, it, that is. That's a great it, story. It, it's a, it's it, yeah. And then to get invited back to SmackDown kind of made it in full circle because of where I was, how I felt, to how hard I you know worked to get back there and to show up there. And we only thought it was going to be a one and done. That's exactly what we thought until yeah. we got there, and they were like. I guess they were blown away because how we still look like we did in 1998, 1999 and stuff like that. They were just like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you guys didn't age at all. So, and and then we got in the ring and then, you know, we wrestled Slater and uh, Rhino and then left them bloody, you know, their future (laughs) first SmackDown tag team chance. We were like, Oh great. Now we're never ever coming back. (laughs) And then within, you know, two months, you know, we're back doing the 900. you know, episode, and then we did a Survivor Series match, and you know there was there was talks. Um, I, we would have loved to come back, you know, uh, on mm-hmm. a on a some kind of schedule, so we could do what what other teams have done for us in the past by you know helping us learn, you know, the WWE way because it's yeah. different than you know the way that they do it on the Indies. Um, you know, it, we were welcomed back in the locker room, you know, with open arms. It was great. One of the first per- people to come up to us was John Cena and welcomed us back. And, you know, he got up from eating lunch, came across the cafeteria just to, you know, say hi and welcome us back. But when you have the man, I'm sorry, but John Cena is the man. Um, no no doubt. And, and, and stop eating and, you know, acknowledge you. It, it, it meant something. It, it meant a lot. So, um, you know, it, it was a great story. We're still, you know, going strong. Um, I still feel that we have, you know, something to tank. Cause you got to remember, we didn't do a lot of stuff for 10 years. So I may be in my late 40s, but I'm in, you know, a late 30s body because I don't have nice. the, the wear and tear and the bumps and stuff like that like some of these guys do. So yeah. I feel better than I ever have. Um, I'm healthier than I ever have you know, with my mind and, you know, I, I can't tell you the last time that I had, you know, any kind of alcohol or beer or anything like that. When, when I decided to change my life around and get back into the ring, it was a total transformation. And, you know, I, I realized that, you know, it was an escape. It was something to coat the pain that I was going through for what I was losing. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's all I'm going to give you. That's ah, too much hey. for me. Uh, you, Nobody dropped fine. an F-bomb yet. Well, <laughs> no F-bombs? Well, fuck, we can't have that. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, fuck, shit. Cornette would be so fucking mad right now. I haven't thrown a monitor or fuck, kicked somebody in the fucking ass or anything like that. <laughs> well, one, you know one what? Final I got one thing to say about Jim Cornette. You know, everybody has their opinion about Jimmy, but here's yeah. the bottom line with Jimmy. If you don't okay. want to know the answer, don't fucking ask Jim Cornette the question because he's going to tell you the answer whether you <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But one of my favorite yep. lines, and, and and I'll let you leave on this one, uh, one of my favorite lines. We'll go back to that magical WrestleMania 13 match you guys had. Um Jerry the King Lawler. Vince, do you listen to uh, Nine Inch Nails? Vince McMahon replies, have they done anything with Tony Bennett? So, 
That was one of my favorites, and uh, I listened yep. to a lot of the music you guys threw out there. I was a big Dinosaur Jr. fan, so uh, really enjoyed everything you guys are putting out. Love the headbangers, and thank you so much for getting on here and sharing some memories, talking Royal Rumbles and wrestling in general. Really appreciate it, seriously. All right, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Welcome back anytime. Thanks again, Thrasher. All right, man. And that was my conversation with Headbanger Thrasher, talking rumbles and wrestling in general. Tim, still with me? Damn straight. Cool. Why, cool. Why, wouldn't your I, thoughts on why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I be? I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Headbanger Thrasher, what, what he had you know, to talk about? I didn't know very much about him. That's kind of in the time period where wrestling kind of left me for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. God damn that guy! Talk about positive. Yeah, definitely. Like, like definitely positive, and definitely like no. It's nice to hear guys um, who've come full circle, who started in their in their, you know that wrestling was their life or whatever, and they got out of it or you know were lost it or whatever happened, and have found it again and got his act together and all the rest seemed like a, that's another you know that's two in a row now another guy who you know if you well i guess you can't push a beer in front of him because he doesn't want that but you know if you just <laughs> sat down with him and and had a chat with the guy that uh got no uh no regrets kind of sounds like yeah you know, this is what it was yeah and, great guy definitely you know, a great guy great to and, talk to and uh, this is what it was, and you know, as he said, you know, you can fucking take it or leave it. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, no rest for the wicked, Tim. We got to move on here in just a second. We're going to hear from our sponsor, the law offices of Stephen P. New, in just a second. But before we do, we want to go in and tell you coming up next mm-hmm. is a conversation with former UFC Super Fight champion Dan the Beast Severin, who's going to talk about. Some really interesting stories in his only Royal Rumble appearance in 1999. This is uh, just as a little teaser. Find out what Dan thought would happen when fantasy becomes reality and wrestling turns into a shoot. And I don't know. Dan Severin scared the fucking shit out of me when I was a young man. (laughs) He should. Like back pre-wrestling even a little bit, back when he was more of a, of a MMA kind of guy. That yeah. guy scared me. He looked like the kind of guy who could legitimately rip you in half. Well, you'll hear some stories about what Dan, what was going through Dan's mind in 1999, late 98, and even some stories about you know why he got into the world of pro wrestling. And you know Dan knows he's a badass. He'll tell you. Uh, he doesn't say he's a badass, but you, you can tell he knows he could hurt you if he wanted to. So you'll hear my conversation with him right after this. We're going to go to a, a word from our sponsor, the great law office at Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, and we'll see you after our, my conversation with Dan Severin. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, All these things and more can be helped by new law offices. 
Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways? That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, Attorney at Law, answers to your legal questions. Joining me right now is a UFC Hall of Famer, UFC Ultimate Ultimate Champion, Super Fight Champion, UFC 5 Tournament Champion, and former National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Champion, Dan the Beast Severin. Dan, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Well, thanks for having me there, Nathan. Oh, anytime, anytime. So uh, let's just go ahead and dive into here. We're talking, really what I wanted to dive into was um, doing a Royal Rumble special, and you were just a monster in terms of every sport you've ever been in. Uh, if anybody hasn't kept up with you, where they've been, you know, like I said, UFC Hall of Famer, all the ultimate fight accolades, and then a hell of a professional wrestler as well uh, in the National Wrestling Alliance. So I, I want to talk to you. You got into the WWF there in 98. Um, they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't use you well, but – it is what it well, is. Well, I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's a general, that's a very uh, definite uh, general consensus. I I know that that was my first major company I ever working for, and I did not realize how much input I I should have actually put into it. Um, it was pretty unique. I'll, I'll say that uh, uh, within a couple of years after I had basically left uh, that company, I ended up. Uh, uh, headed out to California on a business trip. I, I don't I forget who, where I was at, what, what part I was into, but uh, at this this luncheon, Bill Goldberg was there as well. I did not know that ahead of time. He he just uh, I guess he was just a, a laugh at on a guest. So as mm-hmm. I get a chance to meet Bill Goldberg, um, you know we're all sitting down at the table. So we're, you know we're conducting our business and interacting and, and different things. So during this this lunch, he reached over. And, and nudges me on the shoulder. He goes, "Thanks." I go, "For what?" He says, "Dude." He says, "I was you." He said, yeah. "I watched you early on." He said, "He says the way you you did those crazy accolades and stuff like this." He says, "I was you," and I started laughing. I go, "You were you, you did a better be than I did of myself." <laughs> <laughs> we, just both, we, we both had a good uh, good laugh. And it turns out then when, when I when I talked to him about like the. You know what they call the spear is basically an amateur, so it's known as a double leg takedown. I said, "Did you, who'd you work with?" And it turns out he works with a couple other fellow amateur wrestlers that uh, that were buddies of mine as well. So it's kind of it's just kind of funny how you know how big the world is and yet how small it is all at the same token. Because you know, most people only know me because of uh, 
professional wrestling or mixed martial arts, but you know, I, I actually take greater uh, pride in, in my amateur wrestling career than anything. So uh, I always tell people that that uh, I've been terrorizing athletes for decades. <laughs> I've got uh, yeah, I've got actually over forty years of, of competition underneath my belt now. Wow. That's impressive, and most people can't put that down for anything. And here you are, and and you bridge gaps really. You and uh, and Sh- and Ken Shamrock were really the first guys to bridge that gap between the Ultimate Fight world and the uh, the wrestling world. And you did it before anybody because you were already in the National Wrestling Alliance as their champion. And to me, you brought back legitimacy to a title that had floundered for a long, long time. Because let's be honest here, you are one of the most badass human beings walking the face of the earth. And at the same I time, just, you're I'm, in a I'm, just, I'm just competitive. That's what they do. They just, I'm oh, okay. competitive if, we, if we were playing checkers, I would be trying to beat you at checkers even. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, but, that's just how I, I'm wired. That's all. I understand. I understand. But you brought legitimacy to the NWA title. And now you see the NWA starting to make a resurge in the modern day. Yeah. And I think they, they owe you a debt of gratitude in that. What do you think about the NWA kind of making a comeback now? Uh, have Has anybody even reached out and said, hey, you know, we'd love to have you come back and just be maybe not full-time, but make an appearance at an NWA event since you were a big part of that company in the 90s? When, when, I, when uh, again, this was told to me afterwards, but when, when the thought was first to put the belt upon me, the NWA was all but extinct. There was only three promoters left in the world that were promoting NWA. Uh, yeah. So Dennis Carluso was, was the guy that wanted to do this, and he collaborated with uh, Jim Cornette, who was running Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Again, these are things I found out way after the fact. I, I, a lot of people don't realize it because they, 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 I, I was a cage fighter first, and then I jumped to the WWF afterwards, which is, I mean, I did... From from that company to the other company, yes, they're right in that. But yeah. I was a I was a professional wrestler as of the 1992 Olympics. The UFC did not even exist in 1992. It wasn't really until 1994, and officially, December of 1993 was their very first show. So, but I, I did not know the UFC existed at that time because, you know, pay-per-views were not as prevalent as they are to, as they are today. Um, they were only shown in metropolitan areas, but, you know, again, yeah. just to go back on that, the question is, you asked me right there, I, I was a professional wrestler uh, that jumped into the ultimate fighting championships. And then, you know, they had the belt carried on down and, you know, to, to have that be a part of that belt. I learned more and more, of the history about that belt and going to, and then being able to be around people like uh, Billy Robertson, Luthez, um, to have Bruno San Martino call me on my private cell phone out of the blue. I'm thinking, I don't know how he ever got my number, but all I simply knew is that he calls me out of the blue and he goes, young man, he says, I hear all the good things that you're doing uh, with the NWA. He goes, you brought back a lot of good legitimacy to it. He goes, keep up the good work. And I'm, I'm like, well, well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that very much. And, you know, when, when it, while he's still alive, I made certain that if I happened to go to an event and I knew he was going to be at it, I, I went out of my way to go over and shake his hand. 
Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, it's just great to, that you were the kind of guy. And of course, Dennis Corluzzo up in uh, the Philadelphia, Jersey area, mostly out of Cherry Hill. Yep. Of course, everyone knows Jim Cornette and, and all. And if you know your wrestling history, those are names you're going to recognize. But uh, let's just go ahead and we're going to fast forward a little bit. We may double back here. It's Royal Rumble season, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about originally, and that's what I pitched to you, so we'll get to that. You were only okay. in one Royal Rumble match, and that was in 1999. Uh, that was out in the Arrowhead Pond in California. You entered number eight in that match, lasted five minutes, 43 seconds, didn't eliminate anyone, uh, was eventually tossed out by Mabel. Before we get into a little bit of the aftermath here and some of the things that I've I've seen and heard, uh, you probably know where I'm going, but um, what's it like <laughs> being in a, a Royal Rumble match like that? What, what's, what's the feeling going in um, and having to work a match like that? Well, I mean, uh, you know, prior to that, I, I'd already been in, in, in different types of battle royals things of that nature. You know, the Royal Rumble's a little because of the way that they feed uh, guys in there every every couple minutes, you know. So it's a, it's a different type of a format. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, literally until you were, you were uh, talking about it, I, I was trying to think, okay, I, I, yes, I was in that one, but I'm thinking, uh, but how long was I in it for? And then obviously you, you helped to refresh my mind. So I, I'll say again, yeah. it, it kind of like summarizes my, my whole, uh, you know, uh, career that I had there with, with uh, the WWF, it really was anticlimactic. It could have been used a whole lot more. I could have yeah. been used a whole lot in a better way. And I, uh, I could have been, I could have been uh, what, uh, um, well, I just, I, I'll just simply say that I, I just, just just way, way underutilized for the ability that I had. Well, Jim Cornette's even went on his, on his, on his podcast and said, you know, you got Dan Severin, you've got Ken Shamrock in the same company. Why are they not in something together? Or why are you not building these two guys as monsters? Because you, it's not even something you got to convince people to believe because people already know it. And it was, it was just a drop ball. I think if uh, time was a little different, times were different things would have been different and um i think we would have saw a lot more of you in that ilk but another thing i i heard you, you worked the rumble match uh, you you left not long after this rumble uh creative differences being the reason um i i had heard some of the things they wanted you to do and i can completely understand why you turned it down but you made an interesting point. Uh, for the for our listeners that may not know this story, could you go ahead and, and refresh them on what they think I, I, on that, I, I, on what's, what you said? I would, I would love to recite that because it was, you know, the Royal Rumble was coming on up. And, you know, still the, you, you had uh, ECW was was in existence. You also had the WWF. Uh, you, you had US, WCW. Uh, you, you, had, you, had, you had WCW with Ted Turner or Bischoff at, at the helm. And I kept thinking, you know, uh, I should just contact uh, WCW and uh, say, uh, Ted Turner, Eric Bischoff, what's it worth to you and your company when it is time for me to exit the Royal Rumble? I I decide to turn fantasy into reality. This is a live pay-per-view. 
and all the, the folks inside the arena, they're 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 not going to know anything as to what, what is happening. And I start tossing people. I start tailoring people for real. I mean, they're, they're, and, and they're just feeding me someone every couple of minutes now. Again, in just sheer numbers alone, oh, they'll get me out out of that ring. But did they get me out of that arena? So wow. I think I could have probably cut a, cut a deal for a pretty good wage for one night's work of showing. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah, just showing the people that that what a a, a real athlete with other skill sets can do. Because it's kind of like going well. You know, it's just uh, you, you don't bite the hand that feeds you here as well. But at the same token, it, it's I don't like I don't like the politics of professional wrestling. I'm not a good politician. I, I always tell people that I'm, I'm, I'm very blunt and to the point. Uh, if you ask my opinion, you better expect a very blunt and to the point type answer. Otherwise, don't ever don't ever ask me about that kind of stuff. I'm not uh, I'm not meant for today's political correctiveness that we have right now. I don't I don't understand it. Question marks left and right. And I really enjoy running my own facility for back death. You know, inside my training facility, I can have high school wrestling coaches. I can have high school wrestlers. And I can have college wrestlers and college coaches. And it's not construed as NCAA violations and things of that nature. Whereas if I was working for a college or I was working mm-hmm. for high school, it would be. But yeah. because you know, I just I'm a, I'm just a local businessman trying to make my way in this world, you know, it's not. You talked about being in battle royals, uh, yeah, and the rumble's kind of like a battle royal on steroids. What what experience yep. had you had in I'm assuming the NWA and their kind of battle royals? Was there a major difference, or was it all? Because I've heard from different guys, like we've talked with Headbanger Thrasher, we talked with um, Henry Godwin, who's Mark Canterbury. Uh, about being in battle roles, what's the major difference um, in trying well, to work this style? Is it more confusing? Well, I mean, well, again, depending on how many how many that you're in the ring there with. In, in the beginning, there's mm-hmm. just there's way too many people. there's way too many people. Um, so, but you you uh, you want to quickly try to grab somebody, and you want to try to move off to the side. Uh, and and well, the number one rule of of, uh, of being involved in a uh, battle royal is do, uh, do not leave your feet. You know, if you're picked up a bodily slam or something, just you're down. Your your chances of being stepped on or, or someone falling on you or something like that are really high. You could get, get hurt. So not yeah. leaving your feet is kind of one of the number one rules. So you'll see a lot more guys that will be working on chops, punches. Uh, just things, things of that nature is really what, what you see a lot more of. You know, you see a lot more choking on ropes, and you'll see a lot of people that they're doing one move and they're being attacked from behind it by yet a third person. Just as it thins out, the more things you can do. And it always depends on how they, they call it. You know, you, you have to, you, you're going over the top rope all the way to, you know, to the, the floor or, you know, it just all depends on how they call it, because you know, some some guys will come right back in, as well. But it's uh, as a general, it is uh, it's total chaos. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of fans really enjoy seeing that the total anarchy of it all, because there's again they're seeing guys being two on one, and then uh, being and other people being attacked from behind, and it just goes on and on. And so I'll say that it, I think it's a lot of fun, and you can put a lot of 
young, uh, greener talent inside of a battle royal so they can gain a little bit of that experience, know that you're really out there to work on uh, punches, chops, you know, forearms, European uppercuts, and, you know, move off, like I said, move off to the side, and then uh, eventually know that you'll be one of the first guys that are tossed over that, that uh, top rope there as, as well. Well, let me ask this, since um, we've talked a lot about Battle Royals and things, but let, let me kind of go back a little bit here, kind of do an interview out of order if I can. You, uh, hey, I guess. You, were an, you, were, you were an amateur wrestler first, got into uh, professional wrestling. What, what gave you the uh, – what was the idea or who gave you the idea to go to the UFC and attempt your hand there and, and actually become very, very successful? Because um, you, you you know won uh, tur- the fifth tournament they ever had UFC five. Um, w- what was the underlying you know thought there? Did you just hear about it and say, oh, I'd like to try that, or was it one of those things like, yeah, this was cater made for me? Well, no, I'll, I'll go through the, the history here a little bit. First, I'm, I'm an amateur wrestler, and through uh, the eighties. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still an amateur wrestler. I'm coaching at Arizona State University. I always tell people, like, my timeline I was born and raised in Michigan. Upon high school graduation, I went to college at to Arizona State University on a full athletic scholarship. Uh, again, a, a very accomplished wrestler for, for what I did. And then, uh, I, you know, I, I, well, point blank, I was the number one pick in 1976 at my weight class. And I had a congressional nomination, so I could have went to uh, the Air Force Academy uh, if I wanted to as well. So I, I, I always tell people I'm a, I'm a jock with the brain. And there's uh, there's certain sports, and that's why I, I, I trout the sport of amateur wrestling because some sports, uh, like football, basketball, baseball, and in some states, hockey, um, boy, I tell you what, they have, they have a tutoring system to work with uh, some of these athletes because they are not the brightest light bulb that you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but but, but somehow they're, they're going to keep you, keep that individual eligible so that they can, you know, play football, play basketball, hockey, the whole nine yards. And a sport like, because th- there's, there's the hopes for most of these, these what's known as the revenue sports, revenue based sports mm-hmm. are, are is football, basketball, baseball, hockey. And, Wrestling is always classified as a non-revenue sport. It doesn't bring it in, a, in enough money to pay for itself. It's like yeah. swimming programs, gymnastic programs, wrestling. But I always tell people that there isn't a profession, a, well, again, a legitimate profession, profession for amateur wrestlers, gymnasts, or swimmers to move on to so that when we leave college, we actually have to have tangible skills to, to fend for our own. You know, I, I tell people I graduated with a teaching degree. I, I first started off in the uh, the College of Engineering. I was the first uh, jock ever to be enrolled in the uh, construction engineering program. I held with it for the first couple of years, but you're taking like 20 and 21 credits per semester. Now, to stay eligible wow. for athletics, all you need is 12. And I'm taking wow. 20 plus credit hours on top of trying to wrestle, do everything else. I hung with that as long as I could. I mean, when I graduated, I only need like 100, I think 120 credits, and I think I graduated with, with, with just shy of 150 credits. I mean, I took additional classes in business and other stuff because when I you know, 
it was it was free for me. I took advantage of it, so I, knowing that when I leave here, I want to give myself enough skills so that I can make it out in this world. So I took I took advantage of that education. Now now I'm kind of missing here what your original question was. I went up into a little tangent. Bring me back at, at, at the frame here, Nathan. What, what was oh. your actual question? Well, I was I was wondering how when you you made the decision oh. to go from wrestling over into the Ultimate Fighting world. Yes. So going from to wrestler first, I was approached through the mid '80s by by several different smaller independent professional wrestling organizations. But had mm-hmm. I tried. Had I attempted to be a professional wrestling then, I would have lost my amateur wrestling status. And mm-hmm. I could never have made an Olympic team or world team representing the United States. So I did not turn pro at that point in time. But as of the 1992 Olympics, a new rule came down from the United States Olympic Committee that allowed athletes to be both amateur and professional simultaneously as long as you are not involved in high school or collegiate athletics. Well, my eligibility mm. was gone at this point. I was, I was coaching, so I could have my cake and eat it too. So that's when I first started. Uh, you know, at, that, uh, at this point, that I'm working. I left Michigan State. I'm, I'm working for the Michigan Wrestling Club. So I'm traveling around the state uh, helping out uh, uh, very uh, unique individuals uh, in both freestyle wrestling, record world wrestling, and the president of the Michigan Wrestling Club, his name, his his real name was Dennis Kasperwitz. His ring name in professional wrestling was Denny Cass. So mm. once our once our meetings were done for the Michigan Wrestling Club business, I would then stick around for another 15, 20 minutes or longer, picking his brain about this because I now have the green light. Now he he basically tried to paint a very dark picture about professional wrestling. And so once he was done, he goes, he says, take this weekend, think about it. He says, if you still want to, if you still have interest, he says, I'll take you to this place. So the weekend passes, my mind doesn't change. So he takes me to this place, being Al Snow's Body Slammers gym down in uh, um, Indiana. To a boy, where did I just... Yeah, I think uh, it wasn't down in Ohio, was it Lima? Yeah, Lima, Ohio. Yep, yep. Thank you. Again, I just, I got, I to think back and just so, you know, things are, things continue. I, I always tell people there, they, they actually bring me back and they remind me of things. And like, well, why don't you rip this? And like, have you been hit head to me? I go, I go, no, I go. <laughs> I have, li- I have lived the life of half a dozen men so far. I, I go, oh, you, yeah. you don't understand the life of how busy I have. I just know that I've, I've written one book so far, and, and uh, I, I have at least two more that will be coming out because the first one just barely scratched the surface of the things that I've, I've been able to do. I mean, it, 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 it very grazed over my amateur wrestling career. And, and as I said earlier, you know, that's the thing I take probably the most pride in because amateur wrestling career had nothing to do with making money. Yeah. You know, professional wrestling and mixed martial arts it's a combination of you got the fame and the fortune that kind of goes with that. Mm-hmm. But the amateur wrestling, it's just the fact that you get to step up on the top of a podium and know that you are the best. Yeah. 
and that was uh, you know to be in foreign countries, especially during the old uh, uh, Eastern Bloc. You uh, know, you talk about Cold War era. I'm still wrestling in the Cold War era, where there was a Russia, there were all these uh, uh, Eastern Bloc countries that you know that, yeah. that were ruled by communism. So it was a lot of people don't even understand what that even means nowadays. But uh, you know, I tell people, I go, well, for example, I go, I've been in uh, East Germany. On two different occasions, mm-hmm. they're like, "Well, there, there wow. is no East Germany. There, there was. There was. There used to be. <laughs> I, yeah, I go say, I have seen the Iron Curtain. I have seen the Berlin Wall. And I go, and then I've talked to people, and I go, there's a difference between KG people in and KG people out. So yeah. it's been, it's been quite the education over my career. So again, timetables. I, I start, I start my amateur wrestling program. In the seventh grade, in 1969, I start, uh, you know, I start teaching the sport of wrestling. 71, my freshman year in high school. By 1976, I'm the number one recruit in my in high school wrestling. You know, by 19, okay, then you, you jump forward. By 1996, I'm the number one cage fighter in the world. You know, so it's kind of like going. You start looking at how many decades I'm, I'm, I'm advancing to it. There's still there's so much competition to do there. I, I legitimately have over 100 state, national, and or international titles and or records to my credit. Wow. Wow. There isn't, <laughs> there isn't, there isn't another human being close to me either alive or deceased. And I always tell people, and I'm not done yet. I mean, I'm a 60-year-old cat. I don't look 60. I don't act 60. I don't move no. 60. But, you know, I mean, Vince McMahon was shocked when <laughs> he finally found <laughs> out how old I was. He was shocked. I'm in the office with him, Jim Ross, a couple of other people. You know, the contracts were open, and stuff like this. And, and two different questions that were being asked. He finally's like, well, it's exactly just how old you are you? And I go, well, 48. And he looks over at the Jim Ross and goes, Jim, he goes, uh, who's our oldest rookie ever? Jim just be points rated. And he goes, Dan. <laughs> but, again, I don't – it's really – he never really took time out to speak to me or – the creative team really did not know what they had in me. It, it should have no, been – No, they did. I, I should have been a – you know, so it's – there's things that – and there was never a Shamrock Three match that took place. A deck of the VC took yeah. take place in professional scene. It could have been done time and time again. But it could have. Well, Dan, I do take I do thank you very much for giving me so much of your time today, and I really appreciate it. And I won't keep you any longer because I know you got a lot of stuff to do. You're a busy man, and I hope we can get you back on here because I would absolutely love to get you and our good friend of the show, Bobby Blaze, to sit down and talk about your NWA heavyweight title matches that you guys had. I think that well, would just be it, a blast. I, I would really enjoy that because there's uh, – the thing I really enjoy about professional wrestling is there's sometimes, especially when I was when I was really green in that industry, I'd have some of the vets, they'd be trying to break me in character in terms of – I mean, they'd be trying to make me laugh, trying to break out a character, stuff like that. There's so much mm-hmm. that takes place that the fans really never know about. And it's a, that there's, it's, it's a great camaraderie. Um, you know, with it, it, it's, I always say it's one of the worst industries I've ever been involved in, 
But at the same token, I give it credit where credit's due. It has awakened a creativity inside of me that I never knew that I had. And I've met some really wonderful individuals along the way. Yeah. Well, Dan, we hope to have you back on again soon. And why don't you let our listeners know, you know where they can keep up with you? I know you're active on Twitter and website and everything. Let our listeners know where they can find you at. Please, I'll simply just name up my website just at dansevern.com. You go to dansevern, Severn is spelled S-E, D like Victor, E-R-N, dansevern.com. It lists all my different social media outlets. Uh, it is being, and my website is being revamped uh, as we speak. Uh, but something should still come up there underneath that. And uh, you know, like I said, I, I have not slowed down. I'm still all over the place conducting my various seminars and uh, speaking engagements and, uh, you know, enjoying life. Hey, can't beat that. And thank you, my friend, for jumping on, and I will be in touch again soon, hopefully. And, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Take care. You too. Can we talk about how badass that entrance theme is for just a second? <laughs> Damn. I get your blood boiling, does it? It really does, but that was my conversation with Dan the Beast Severin, former UFC Super Fight Champion, NWA Heavyweight Champion, and participant in the 1999 Royal Rumble. And boy, did he have some ideas about how that Rumble could have ended up going. Just just picture like uh, you're like oh, I don't know you're 16 years old, and you uh, decide to wander into Dan Severin's yard uh, uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks I'll pass I mean talk about it but get, honestly, yeah, Don, Dan's not going to tell you to get out of his yard he's going to throw you out yeah really but was such a nice guy and was so cool to talk to had some great stories and I really do hope we can get that you know maybe when they do another NWA special we can get a uh, NWA title done. special and get Bobby he's Dan done on. so that would be much great. I mean, the guy has fought in 117 martial arts fights alone. And, yeah. You know, he's, a, he's 101 in 117, and the guy's like 64. And I just was reading, I don't want to go on, go too long about it, but that uh, huh? Ken, Ken Shamrock ducking him at 64. He's ducking him. <laughs> That's because he looks like he did in 1999. So Shamrock he signs a, Ken, Ken signs a fight to fight uh, Dan and... and then realizes maybe like, you know, two or three days before the fight, oh, fuck, what have I done? I'm going to get killed. Dan didn't get old. I'm going to get killed. And yeah, he really did. Old- he looks exactly the no, same now as he did suddenly, then. Suddenly the old injury bug hit Ken Shamrock, and he had to bail. So, yeah. Wow. But, yeah, thanks again to Dan the Beast Seven for jumping on. And, Tim, thank you for helping me out with this uh, program. Oh, uh, pleasure. Pleasure's always nice. And uh, I know you are. You have some previous engagements you have to get to before I get to my last interview. But I do again. Thank you so much for getting on and talking a little bit of Royal Rumble. Well, if you had to pick one Royal Rumble match, what's your favorite? Oh God, I don't know. You know me. No, I do know. You know me. Give me, give me either of uh, the Hulk Hogan uh, victories. Ninety or ninety-one. 
Yeah, because I'm an old school kind of guy. And well, and, you're wrong. 1992 that's... would be the correct answer, sir. With Ric Flair winning the title, no. so Rick, Rick who? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, Hogan winning the 90 Rumble, I felt that was politics. But I think he needed to win the 91 Rumble. Especially well, with the, it uh, was. Like late and everything. Uh, we, we we have to get, like, and I don't know if we ever will, but if we could get a little deeper into the card with someone who was maybe in the last four or five to uh, – There's still well, – nobody, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's really oh, – I mean, we got Mick Foley. Mick's got it. No, I'm just saying, good luck in in '91. The last four, two of them were oh, Rick Rude. Oh, I don't necessarily mean in the Hogan, just in general, because from what people okay. are telling us, it sort of sounds like there's not a real rigid system set in place for who's going to do what to who. Yeah, and I mean, it, it sort of sounds like it'd be real easy to go into. It, it's like you got the spots laid out, and it's one of those, okay, here's my spot. Wait for this guy to do the spot. Once he does the spot, then we do our spot. And just keep right, your eyes what open. I'm, right, but what I'm getting at is let's say you get down to, uh, you got Taker, Austin, you know, Foley, and The Rock, let's say. I don't know if that ever happened, but let's say that's your final four. Uh, you got four there. You change out Taker oh. and Farouk, and you got 58. Okay, so who, so who stops The Undertaker from going into business for himself? I'm just saying, screw this noise. Uh, I don't uh, like the what somebody that, did. The fact, that he, the fact that he wants a job. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, those guys are good enough to make it look like, you know, there's room there to, to maybe not to necessarily win it, but there's room there to screw up the finish. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I agree. There is. But uh, I, that's another topic for another day. Uh, so, Tim, we will let you uh take off and before you go we will say thank you to our sponsors also cambay.com that's c-a-m-b-a-e.com the wonderful site there you go over and enjoy some cam service for yourself there's a lot of stuff for everyone so go check it out and if you use promo code wideman at the purchase page you get 20 free uh i believe it was credits uh on cambay.com credit credit so and as Tom said last night, <laughs> this ain't college. It's only gonna, it ain't going to take you twenty credits to finish. So there yeah. you go. Oh God damn it, Nate! Call Dan Severin. There's moose in my yard. I gotta go. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Tim. And with Tim gone now, we will go on to my final interview here with Joe Pisapia from the In This Ring podcast. He and I have talked before. Uh, different se- different levels, different uh, shows. We're talking wrestling on this podcast, and we're talking about the current state of pro wrestling with the upcoming Royal Rumble headed your way. So enjoy this talk with Joe P.C.P., and we'll be right back to finish things up. Joining me right now from the In This Ring podcast, Joe Pisapi, and Joe's been kind enough to have me on his show talking wrestling, and with this Royal Rumble special, Joe, I could think of no one else I wanted to get on to talk a little Royal Rumble. I want to be number one, and I want to last the entire Rumble, Bush, that's what I want to do. (laughs) 
Well, only uh, only two guys have done that. So unless you want to count the guys that came in at number two because they did it as well. So then be no, a grand total. No, I count Shawn Michaels. That's what I count. Just Shawn Michaels. Nobody else. We don't talk about two thousand four. Where the Rumble, where Big Show eliminated himself. <laughs> uh, well, someone had to do it. Yeah, of course. But um, you know, the Royal Rumble has always been one of my favorite matches. Um, every year, I look forward to it. I get really excited. The Rumble pools, those are always fun. We've got one going, and uh, I'm going to do the drawing for that uh, here soon. So look for that. But you know, everybody's got that Rumble that they just love and they go back to. What would be your favorite if you had to go back and pick just one? Uh, that's a that's a good one. You know, the the ones where Austin came back and won. I, I want to say Austin after the Bret Hart thing and everything. I think, okay. I think that's that's to me. You know, that one sticks out. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Royal Rumble too. You know, it's funny. My kids love it, and I think it's just because they like the surprise of who's going to be next. But it, yeah. it's it, which is which is entertaining and all, but. To me, it's always kind of it's a little sluggish until you get to the end because you know basically it's everybody just throwing knees at each other and beating up each other in the quarter and the actual wrestling you get is actually never that good. It's more for the all right, it's the anticipation of building a storyline. Um, but you know, I mean, there's been some great Rumble moments. Um, I I pointed out the Shawn Michaels one before as a joke, but really that's probably my all-time favorite. I think going coast to coast is great, and when they were trying to build him up as you know one of the next faces of the company, but this year they've got a lot of options, especially with the women's one. I enjoyed the women's finally having one last year in that division. And, I, you know, this year is going to be really fascinating because if they, you know, somehow I got – my guess is Oscar is going to maintain that belt. Charlotte screws Becky out of it, and then you get Becky and Charlotte as the last two people in the Rumble, which would be great. But then again, that's smart booking, so you never know how that's actually going to work in WWE. <laughs> well, you know. You know how it goes there. Um yeah, but, you know, everybody looks back at 95, and, and I look at 95, and I've watched 95 quite a bit, um, and that was the one Michaels goes coast-to-coast. Coast. They have him and Bulldog as one and two, and they're eventually the last two in the match. You know, that rumble, most people forget this, it was only 35 minutes long. And honestly, in terms of names, it might have been the worst rumble in terms of name recognition, but they were smart. I mean... If you remember some of the, let me just refresh you on some of the names that were in this match. Uh, Mantar, Aldo Montoya, Jacob and Eli Blue were in this match. Uh, Doink the Clown, Quang, Adam Bomb. So there's a list, the list, the hits keep coming. Uh, Mo, uh, Mo was in that one. So I think you answered your question of why it was 35 minutes, but it was so short. That's why. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, not exactly the, uh, the 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 match that you're going to remember for the the star power, the star draw there. But you know, Michaels was in it. They had Lex Luger, who was a big star at the time. The return of Dirty Dick Murdoch, which was a surprise that year, '95. Dick Murdoch's in a Royal Rumble match, and uh, you know, there's a lot a lot of memories like that. And '95 is remembered for the the Michaels, the one foot on the elimination, and he stays off, but. You know, if they hadn't have booked it that way, would we remember '95? No, God no. No, we would not. And you know what? 95. And that, that's that's booking out of necessity, right? It's like you know, we really don't have a great mid card roster. We don't have a lot of guys who are really serious. So what can we do? We can make it tenuous for the guy that we want to win, or maybe other people want to win, and have it seem like he almost may not, and then kind of pull it out in the end. And I think yeah. 
Yeah, that's what it's about. It's, it's always at its best when you've got a couple legitimate situations out there where you go, okay, yeah, that could ha- I could see that, I could see that, and then that surprise one. And I'm hoping that this year you get, like, a surprise one like uh, seeing Almas or somebody like that and in the Final Four. The Final Four is always a very telling thing because I feel like it's a test of the crowd, too, to see the reaction of the crowd when it's those four yeah. guys. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely is. Have you ever been to a Royal Rumble, Jeff? You know, I haven't. I haven't actually been to a Royal Rumble. I've been to a couple of WrestleManias, uh, but I've never been to a Rumble. I've been to other pay-per-views and stuff over time. Uh, we always go to the house show after MSG, too, which is super fun. Uh, went to SummerSlam yeah. last year with the kids in Brooklyn, but have not actually been to the Royal Rumble. And I, I imagine it's a good time, too, from that sense of, you know, it's a bunch of reactions, you know. And as a crowd member, when you're in part of that, and the, the crowd is such a big part of the culture of wrestling, I imagine that's a really fun one to go to. Which one have you been to? I went to the 2013 and 2014 Royal Rumbles. Um, nice. 92 with one- Ric Flair comes to mind, too, by the way. That, that's another good where, you know, we're, it, of course it's, a, it's spoiled because Hogan has to step in and be part of someone's moment, as he always did, which always pisses me off about Hogan. Wow. But that, yeah. that's another one. Ric Flair's is a good one. And, you know, that – the Royal Rumble has actually been a telling tale for Hulk Hogan. If you ever go back and watch some of the older Rumbles, Hogan uh, actually was uh, kind of heelish in the Rumbles. Remember, he eliminated Savage in 1989, which he said was an accident, of course. Then he mm-hmm. gets eliminated by the Twin Towers, which is the boss man and Akeem. Hogan low bridges boss man after he's already been eliminated. He was clearly eliminated fairly in the context of the match. Hogan low bridges boss man causes him to be eliminated, which is a heel tactic on his part. Then in 92, Hogan, who was rightfully dumped out by Sid Justice, grabs Sid and, and screws him out of the championship, another heel tactic from Hulk Hogan. So if you ever look back at Hogan, other than the two that he won, in 90 and 91, which 90 was completely unnecessary. But I will give him 91. I think we needed Hogan to win 91 just for what was going on in the Middle East, and it was important that Hogan win that Rumble. But if you look at, you know, the times that he doesn't win Rumbles, he kind of goes out like a dick. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, he does. But, you you know, I – it's always annoying, you know. We go back to WrestleMania with was it Yokozuna and Bret Hart and stuff, and there's oh, you know I, me, I just feel like Hogan's always around. Right. Well, Hogan's always around stealing somebody else's heat and somebody else's thunder and somebody else's moment. Even when someone gets put over as the next guy, Hogan's always around, and, and I feel that 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 always kind. I think that's what always bothered other people we worked with, and I think it's it's ultimately too. I think a little frustrating when you look back at his legacy because the great run he had as champ, it's had he just let somebody else become a big deal without his presence around it, I think it would have helped him have better feuds with some other guys. And I feel like they never got to because Hogan was always part of the king-making ceremony, so you never had that. And I'll tell you what, too, when I think of Royal Rumble, the it, it's not a Royal Rumble match that comes to mind, but it's the I Quit match back in, was it 99, I think, with Mankind and Rock. Yeah. He just pounded on him. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the most ugh. first, uh, you know, just terrifying things I ever remember watching. And he's going, how many chair shots is McFoley going to take in the head before he dies? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was like 11 or so, give or take. But, yeah, that was, ugh, that, those were brutal. And don't forget the year after that, <laughs> he takes on Triple H in the street fight. 
than no, 2000. That was the next year, Chief. Yeah, uh, very Nick next Foley year. Had a run there, boy. And then in '98, he entered the Rumble three times. It's three different, <laughs> three different guys. Well, that was, was fun too. That that's a great moment. I love I love seeing somebody do something like that. And, that, and that's the thing. Like you'd have, back in the day, you'd have that gimmick where, like you said, you get some people showing up and back. And recently, they've used it to make people's debuts. Like you have the AJ Styles debut and. You know, last year you had a couple people from NXT in. How do you feel about that? Do you like when they debut somebody at the Rumble? Because it's not really a great way to showcase somebody. It's more of a presentation than a showcase. I like that they show up, and it's the, the AJ Styles thing. The only problem I had with AJ Styles being in the the Rumble the way he was, he came out at number three, had a good showing, you know, crowd popped. The worst part about it was the damn director, Kevin Dunn, didn't put the camera on freaking AJ. It was on Roman Reigns' face. And I'm sitting there going, what's going on? We're looking at Roman Reigns. The crowd's losing their minds. And you got Roman standing there with this, uh, you know, I really, really hope nobody's watching me right now. Like, I really need to scratch. But And I'm sitting there going, what's going on? And then AJ comes out and the place, you know, has already exploded. So we, as the crowd at home, don't get to see the initial pop or get to feel the initial pop with them. So I don't know. That right. felt kind of. I felt like we were cheated out of a moment there a little bit. But um, well, when I, look I don't back mind at Rumble, them debuting towards the end. That's that's a little easier if if they're in the late twenties. But having somebody debut early is is kind of tricky. I always feel you know. It is, especially if they're not going to last all the way until the end, like AJ didn't. My biggest right. thing with the Rumble is. I don't mind the NXT guys coming in, but they need to to really look good. Like, that's my main thing. You can't bring somebody in. Like, they did well with Rusev in 2014. He looked great in the match, um, got over pretty well, threw a few guys out. Well, wasn't last year was almost in – it wasn't Adam Cole, was it? Was it, it yeah, was Adam Cole. Almost in, it was, it was Adam two Cole, years right? ago, I believe. Yeah, or it was, was two, years, okay. two years ago or, or so. But, yeah, Adam Cole did make an appearance. Yeah, no, I, I think it was last year, and that's, that's what I mean. I mean, it's it's good to get people's feet wet and all that, but you know, when I think when you have extraordinary talent too, you want you want to showcase them, you want to show what they can do. And with so many guys in the ring, it's just really difficult for them to really do too much. But I mean, I, I get the pluses and minuses of it. I think at the end of it all, it's it's all just fun. And the women's Royal Rumble, I think this year too, it's it's pretty funny because it, I think it's so obvious what it whittles down to that. I think they would be very wise to bring in some wild card additions from NXT or from UK or something like that, or, you know, recycle some talent and bring some people in that you're not expecting and, and really change it up because, you know, just, just throwing some of the random mid-card women you have right now, it's kind of, I don't know, it's it's not enough to get the juices going. Yeah, I think you've got to throw a Kyrie Sane or a Shayna Baszler or a Tony Storm or a Rhea Ripley in there. Yeah, we had you know we had the showing up last year. A lot of the old the old vets returned. Molly Holly was there. Tori Wilson, right. Kelly, Kelly Kelly Kelly. Right, last year like was like Christmas. the member berries one. That was like the feel good yeah, member yeah, berries. Definitely. We're gonna have the first ever, so we want everybody to be a part of it who who helped build the division. But now that you're past that, Nate, don't you think it would be better to kind of really start to showcase some of the talent they have coming through the system? Yeah, I think that they. Uh, I think they are, and that's what they need to do. But, again, I, I still – call me a nostalgia junkie. <laughs> I, 
I still love when the old when when you get the surprise entries, whether it be in the women's or the men's. I love the surprise entries. Like I was in the, I was at uh, in Phoenix when the Godfather came back, and you know, mm-hmm. all the all he did was walk to the ring with two women, got in the ring. Dolph Ziggler drop kicks him, and he leaves, and that place man, absolutely. We got to get that payday, Bush. Oh well. I talked actually. I've, I've actually spoken with the Godfather when he did a local indie show down here, uh, and I asked him about it. I said, you know, I was in the crowd for that. He was like, oh yeah. He said that was Vince's idea to come back. He goes, I told him I wasn't taking a bump. <laughs> he wasn't taking a bump. And he said he told he told him, he says I don't know why the guys want to be in there a long time. If you ain't gonna win it, what's the point of being in there long? The pay's the same. So Godfather's, you know, he's all about the money. Uh, but yeah, he's a cool dude, and the pop he gets when he you hear that music, that little intro there, you know who it is, and it's like that with all the surprise entrants. Like the one that that got me was 2008, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Superfly Snuka both return in Madison Square Garden for the Rumble, and you see the everybody in the ring just stops and they turn and they're looking. And if you ever look, CM Punk's in the match, and he is has this biggest shit-eating grin on his face. Like, he is marking out like he is four years old, sitting in front of his television set at home. And Piper and Snooka just go at it. And it's such a cool moment, and you get stuff like that. So that's stuff that I enjoy, is the nostalgia throwbacks. You get all the, the guys back, and I and I like the surprise aspect of it. Yeah, like I said, I think the Royal Rumble is something that it's a feel-good event, too. And most of the time, I don't feel like it's a surprise. I mean, most of the time, we know who the number one contender is going to be or how that's going to go. This year, I think it's, they have a unique opportunity. I, I was just talking about on today's podcast, too. We had a, a big, long discussion about the whole Finn Balor thing that happened this week with, with him taking over the match at Rumble. And I said, look, this is their opportunity here. They've got possible competition coming down the pipe with a bunch of guys that he is accustomed to working with and who knows if he would leave and and go over there but this is your opportunity to basically if you're really listening to the fan base and you you know everybody freaks out over and try to see an almost and Rey Mysterio and they want to see more of it and then next week you give them that 25 minute match that everybody's talking about you need to get the belt back on the show on a regular basis in 2019 to me if if Finn Bauer after you build him up here in this scenario, especially on that show where he wrestles twice and he's a giant face and you build him up, there's no way you can get him to that point and have him lose to Brock Lesnar because basically you're, you're pulling everybody up one more time and slapping them down and saying, nope, Finn Balor's never going to happen here. Give him a shot. Let him go through there. And then if Finn Balor wins, then all of a sudden – I don't know who's going to win the Rumble. Is it going to be a Rollins kind of thing? Is it going to be a Drew McIntyre push? Are we just pushing all the new guys? Is it going to be somebody new? Is, you know, are you going to go with a Braun Strowman who got the opportunity taken away? All of a sudden now, you make the Rumble infinitely more interesting if you have that happen. But if Brock just squashes him, I feel like it's just, I don't know, it's kind of a fait accompli. It's kind of boring to me. Yeah, and Brock's title reign has been very boring. But uh, interesting updates. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the podcast. You haven't had a chance to listen, but I was just reading online earlier. The Revival have requested their release from WWE, and a lot of major wow, news sources no. are reporting that. Yeah, that's wow. That's no, what, I mean, I knew the, something was up when they were wearing the FTR shorts. You know, that was that was a big yeah. signal. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it, I can't. I, I, 
it sucks. Where, where was the really outlet the... that was reporting that, Nate? I'm curious. Um, let me find it. It's it's all over Twitter you know, at the moment. The only reason I ask is because I feel like that's one of those that's such an easy rumor to drop around that makes so much sense, and everyone's already of speculated course. over to. But meanwhile, I feel like they're they're finally getting an opportunity, and I feel like they're finally getting a little traction. So I don't know why why they would request a release right now. Yeah, it kind you know, of seems I feel like, like they're, they're finally were, getting the opportunity. They were kind of getting a story. According yeah. to Fightful.com with Sean Ross, SAP is reporting it. Um, I saw Ringside News report it. Um, a lot of people are reporting it on, on Twitter. It's all over the place. Um, here is PW Stream is reporting it. Um, well, that's a lot of outlets. So if that's the case, then you know that's already a very weak division on Raw is the tag team division. I think putting Gable yeah. and Rude together was a good idea. Um, I don't think yeah. AOP is ever going to work up there personally, but what you got to do is you got to take some of that talent that you have at SmackDown, which is like, I feel like there's an abundance of riches in terms of tag teams and you got to bring sanity over. You got to bring somebody over there where you can, you know, get some traction or even the Usos or somebody where they've just been at SmackDown a long time and bring yeah. something fresh over there, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But again, you know, I think would be fun since we're talking, you know, Royal Rumble, how much fun would it be if we saw a tag team Royal Rumble where, you know, you get, you know, instead of using, you know, have two guys come in, but if one guy gets eliminated, your whole team's eliminated. I think that could be an interesting concept. You know, because here's another fun some, wrinkle, too. What if you had to eliminate both guys? In or, order, you know or what you I mean? Like, what, what if... You know, that would be real fun because then you get one guy out and then how do you keep him out and then get the other guy out over the top and you could work a lot of strategy into that as well. But both, I think, would be fun to watch. I, I think you might see that at some point in time. Yeah, I, I foresee it coming eventually. And, and there's just so much building in WWE. And I, I just hate that the revival, after their great run in NXT now, it looks like they're coming to an end. And now I'm looking at, uh, you know, with All Elite coming in, eventually that's that's going to be fun i think but again there's so many question marks i'm not even going to even try to elaborate what all they need to do but in terms of wwe you know they got this big pay-per-view coming in january and i'll admit this is the first time in a long time i don't have clue who's going to win the rumble normally i can kind of predict i have no idea with well, ambrose dropping I, I think it's going to be Rollins if, if Brock wins, personally. I, I think that's a that's an easy one because I think it's a very comfortable match that everybody feels comfortable putting on the marquee. And I think that's how they think of things right now. But uh-huh. if for some reason Finn Bauer wins, and then, then it all depends on when they put what match and everything, too, and how they stagger everything. I mean, we've seen different staggering now that you have the two rumbles to go through. So that's something to think about, too, where they put that match. I, I, to me, Finn Balor opens up infinitely more possibilities than if Brock Lesnar wins because you you could have two guys just going at it who are just great. You know, you could just have a Rollins Balor kind of match. You could you could even have an AJ or a Daniel Bryan. Or you could, there's a million ways you can go with it. But to me, if it's Brock, it's going to be Rollins, and I think it's just and that's what I don't want. I, not that I don't want to watch that match. It's fine. I'm not the Brock Lesnar guy, but. It just means for the next four months when you're building WrestleMania, you're not going to have the belt on the show, and I think that's. 
that's the biggest gripe everybody has about the product for the last year. How do you how do you say that you're gonna fix things and listen to the people if that you don't change right away? Yeah, I agree. You know, we need more of that on the television show, and yeah, and they're building this Royal Rumble. This is coming from a a baseball field. This isn't in an arena anymore. Yeah. The Royal Rumble is slowly getting to be one of those, you know, stadium events because people travel for it. I'm guilty of it. You know, I've traveled all over the United States going to Royal Rumbles. So it's it's most it's a lot of people's favorite event. You brought up ninety two. That's my all time favorite, so I'm not gonna throw shade on ninety two. It's the be- to me it's the best. Uh, but at the same time you, you go forward and there's been some stinkers. And I'm looking at two thousand twelve oh, yeah. where you had Foley and Santino with the Mr. Sacco versus, you know, the Cobra, and just just laughable, laughable appearances. The 40-man rumble. Yeah, but, there's a lot yeah. of goofy stuff. And then the 40-man rumble, which didn't need 40 people at all. It was more like a mid-card showcase. And, you know, there was just so many different rumbles that are just so forgettable. And, and I hate to be that guy that, again, harping on nostalgia, but <laughs> until we got to about 20... 2016, 2017, about every Rumble after 05, 06, pretty forgettable. Like, I'm looking at the 09 Rumble that was so predictable with Randy Orton winning. I'm looking, you know, Edge returning was cool, but the, the match wasn't very good. So, right. That's just me, though. Yeah, I, no, I, I think you're right. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I don't want to beat the dead horse or anything, too, but if we're talking about what the you know looking back and say well what are what are people wanting out of the WWE at this point we never got the Finn Balor title run so we don't even know if it's if it's good or not this yeah. is a situation where if you if you put the belt on him at Rumble you could take it off him between now and WrestleMania or you can go all the way to WrestleMania if it's not working and take it off him but if it's good and everybody likes it and then you can able you're able to maybe even push it all the way through SummerSlam, or maybe maybe he's the surprise face of the company. I don't know, but all I know is that opportunity is something that I think the fan base wants. I think they're over Braun Strowman, and I am too. I was I was never big into that thing of putting the belt on Braun. I thought there was a lot of problems and issues with that concept from the get go. So somebody like Rollins, somebody like Balor, somebody like Drew McIntyre, those are the kind of guys I think you can you can do that and take the shot with. And I think the fan base will buy in. And, and who knows, you might, instead of manufacturing a star, you might end up creating one by just listening to the fans like they used to do back in the day a little bit more, which yeah. is why you got the Austins and the Rocks of the world. I'm still a Strowman guy, so I still believe in Strowman. I think if he had the chance, he could prove a lot of people wrong. Um, the injury comes at an ill time, but I don't think he was going to go over Lesnar anyway, so I think it's actually better that he's not in the match. But... You're just talking to a Strowman guy. I'm a I'm a big fan. I love the guy. Well, I'm a fan of his athleticism. I think he's terrific. Uh, I think he's just got a long way to go before I want to put make him the guy. That's all. In terms of promo and yeah, terms I mean, of, of what I'm you can gonna, do with him. You know? I'm not going to say he should be the guy that's the face of WWE. Uh, to me, if I'm picking one guy out of a crowd that I want to be my face and it's not Roman Reigns, it's either Rollins or AJ Styles. But I would love for Strowman to get to capitalize a little bit on his momentum. So that's just my prediction. But the Royal Rumble is coming up soon, and we've got a lot. You know, we we talked a lot today about past Rumbles, what we think should happen at this Rumble, 
future storylines for WWE. And Joe, thanks for coming on. I know you're a busy guy and you got stuff you got to get back to. But uh, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can get a hold, you know, keep up with you and definitely check out your podcast. Go ahead and plug away. Well, there's always time to talk wrestling with my friend Nathan Bush, period. End of story. There's always time for that. Uh, but, yeah, you can check out In This Ring. Uh, it's over on iTunes and uh, Stitcher and iHeartRadio and everywhere you could possibly listen to any podcast. It's, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at In This Ring. It's uh, myself and Tim Heaney. We uh, do a show every Wednesday. And uh, we, we have some fun. We have some good discussions there. And uh, Nate's been a uh, friend of the show. And we're looking forward to having him back on because we're going to have our special 50th episode pretty soon. And uh, we're officially inviting you right now here on air as uh, our special guest. How do you feel about that? I'm 100% down for that. And if yeah. you aren't down for that, I've got two words for you. So I am down as can be. I can't wait. My man. <laughs> That's right. Well, Joe, thanks again, and thanks for jumping on and talking a little bit with us today. And uh, I will be in touch with you sooner rather than later because we got a Royal Rumble pool that we're both in, and I can't wait to see what the draw turns out to be. I should be doing the drawing today or tomorrow. Awesome. Can't wait. Awesome. Thanks again, Joe. Yeah, dude, I'll be in touch with you about the um, the other thing. I think it's going to be – I think if this was week – let's see, it was 47, 48, 49 – I think it's the first week of February. That would be our 50th okay. episode. So we wanted to do like a yeah. special. We were going to try to get you on and uh, Dennis on and a couple other people and do like some segments and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Just uh, shoot me a message. Um, I'm off. I don't have school on Wednesdays and I normally don't have to work. Today was just a special occasion. But yeah, oh, shoot good. me a message and uh, we'll yeah, get Yeah. Wednesdays is when we record. So. Okay. Sounds good to me, man. Awesome, dude. You got it, man. I'll talk to you and I'll touch base with you before that week. Can't wait. Thanks again. Well, that was my conversation with Joe Pizzapia from the In This Ring podcast. And we hope you've enjoyed this Royal Rumble special where we've got to talk to a lot of experts and former participants in the Royal Rumble to get you geared up for the big match and the big card this Sunday in Phoenix at Chase Field. So everybody enjoy. Hope you've enjoyed this special. Big thanks to our sponsors at uh, cambay.com. at C-A-M-B-A-E.com. Be sure to use promo code WIDEMAN to get 20 free credits there. Also, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Check him out if you need any kind of legal representation. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and at Wide Men Can't Jump. Dot com. Make sure you check us out over there, and you can check out all the old episodes as well. Again, thank you guys so much for listening in. Wrestling is a um, passion project of mine, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. And um, maybe we'll start doing a little bit more if we get some good response. Share the show. Let your wrestling fans know that we also do more than just basketball and hockey, so let them hear it. This is Nate on Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks for listening in, and enjoy the Royal Rumble. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, 
and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump.